I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Exciting! That's a great start. Was you recording? You've genuinely just started this episode. <laughs> this is episode 039 of TBC Podcast, brought to you by GRM Daily, presented by myself, Michael Payne. Myself, Rebecca Judd. Myself, Renee. We've got a very, very, very special guest. I think our first MBE. Woo! I genuinely think this is our first MBE. I'm going to wet myself with excitement. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that in here. (laughs) We do, and we're not going to make an exception today. We always let our guests introduce themselves. Hello, everyone. I am Trevor Nelson. I'm a voice you know really well, I think, because whether you like it or not, you must have heard me on the radio at least once in your lifetime. Come on. And, um, <laughs> and today, actually right now, I should be at the Brit Awards. You should indeed. But in my diary, I had your podcast down. So it was the Brits or the podcast. But I got shit to say. Yes. So. I thought I couldn't miss out on the opportunity to, to be with, um, first of all, Michael. Thank you. And an award-winning broadcaster such as I'm going to clip Bex. this and put it on my show. And I'd love to say, I'd love to say MC Ren because, you know, you know I ain't going to say nothing more, but Ren, nice to be here. Very nice to be here. Bless up, man. Let's, um, let's talk about, uh, we, we kind of, we've been discussing a lot before we pressed record. Um, but I, w- I want to talk. I want to talk to you about MBEs and and the the kind of um, sort of awards you get and acknowledgement you get um, for, for services that, for me personally, kind of perpetuate you know the empire. Yeah. What was it? A kind of bittersweet thing for you <laughs> to be per- brutally honest. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. I I did. Um, listen, we're going to talk about, I suppose, bits of my career and everything. But I, at one point, was probably one of the, probably at one point, probably one of the most influential young uh, black Absolutely. people in the country to, for for teenagers or you know you know what I mean. Yeah. My thing was though, when I got to a point where I thought, you know what, I'm on radio one, I'm on MTV, I've got this music thing more or less, you know, covered in terms of being a commentator, my influence wasn't just to black kids. It was to all kids of all, of all races. So I didn't want to, I wanted to give a little bit of something back, yes. but I realised it shouldn't be just to black kids. I think it should be to all kids. 
or disadvantaged kids particularly. So I, in, I embarked on this Millennium Volunteer thing where I got invited to be an ambassador. Every time I did a gig, I went around the country. I, I'd leave my house early, go and visit the projects that they were doing, give out awards. You know, actually, and no one knew I was doing this. All right, it was a, an initiative, but no one really knew I was doing this. And I was really happy about that. It made me feel really good. That I, was doing, I was earning good money, DJing and all that stuff. So I thought, do that. Then I got a letter. <laughs> you get a letter through the post. Right. And the letter said something about, would you have any opposition? I can't remember the letter. I didn't keep it, funny enough. If you were nominated for... I didn't understand it, to be honest. And I thought, I don't get this letter. It's not saying you've got an MBE, but it's, it's saying you might get an MBE. Right. I, I didn't quite get it. And then, I've, and then you have to... You find that in the newspapers. They don't what? actually tell you. Oh, right. So the list of honours is you, publicised. You, you find out... One person you, yeah, you, out I, I found out in the newspaper right that i got an mbe yeah and you know my first reaction was i hate that word empire i, I really it was i didn't know i thought i was too young because it was over it was I, was I was in my 30s you know what i mean and i thought i don't know i felt uncomfortable a little bit uncomfortable i felt proud that's the thing that's why i said bittersweet because yeah you, you wouldn't yeah. be proud you're being honored for something but it's what yeah. the the award scheme in itself is said. It's just that word. It's like I you wish, said, it's that word. I wish they'd update it. But yeah. I, I, have, I have my issues with it because my parents, my mum was living in St. Lucia at the time. She had semi-retired. And my dad, you know, I mean, they came as immigrants. You know, my dad was a very bright man. He had to be a bus conductor. My mum was a bright lady. She had to be a childminder. Right. You know, for them, I, I accepted it for them. Bottom line, mm. and I took my two kids there when they were quite young, and it was an interesting day because don't be fooled, people. It's not full of celebrities. Right. I was the only face there out of 150 people who were honoured that day yeah. that I even knew. I mean, I didn't know anybody else. Mm -hmm. They were all people who really deserve awards. They were people who work in councils, people who volunteer their time, people who do free stuff in the community. That's exactly what it should be. Yeah. The only reason I think they encourage that celebrity side of things is to shine a light on the honour system. Yeah. Because if they kept giving people these awards and no one ever knew about them, you know, not going to put Jim, Jack and Jill's name in the paper much. They only yeah. put in David Beckham or something, you know, and it, and it, but anyway, it's bittersweet. I don't shine it up. I've never watched the video. I've got the video. I've never watched it. Prince Charles gave it to me. Yeah. And I respect him because of the Prince's Trust work he does. Same, absolutely. I've got ultimate respect for that man. And he spoke to me at length and I've met him several times anyway. And I always try and, and, I, and I, I respect that man. A lot of yeah. people get him wrong. He cares about the environment. He cares yeah, about young people. Man, you're taking the words out of my mouth. And that's, that's why I've got a lot of respect for him. Yeah, as, as, a, as a man, you're absolutely right. I really, really highly respect Prince Charles. Yeah. It's just the fact that the empire you've got to word. call him a prince yeah, I'm like yeah. why are you more yeah, I know, than me I know. because of you but that's the difference <laughs> we, we, we are stuck in a we are stuck in a we, we, the one thing that Britain has over America is tradition and all this, yeah. this stuff that we won't let go because of that and yeah. that's, that's all part of the tourism game and everything you Absolutely, know what I mean right, so yeah. it brings money to the country but yes for us um, descendants of immigrants it's a little Empire, that word's a bit off. Yeah. Salt in a wound for me, like, when I think about it, because obviously the empire was like, if you know your history, what they've done and stuff. So, like, that's, 
for you to accept it, I understand. Yeah. This is the thing. I understand. Yeah. I 100% yeah. Understand. I, I think you're it would very close with uh, Jazzy B, aren't you? Who's yeah. Got an, yeah. He's got an OB. OB. Yeah. I think he's got an OB. Um, Jamal Edwards, super young. He got you one know, recently. Uh, yeah. Recently. So. Yeah. I understand being, uh, you know, accepting. I think I'll tell you something. Benjamin Zephaniah. Yes. Turned his down, but wait for it. Wait for it. And I'll say this on record. I remember Benjamin Benjamin Zephaniah turning it down around the same time. I think I might have been given but he wanted to be poet laureate and he they never oh, made right. him poet laureate so i always thought it was a bit bitter bitter right yeah you want to be poet laureate you want to be poet yeah. laureate but you don't want to get any more you know i just suppose a bit it's all i think every black person has this this thing that they if they get an honor they think about it they have to think about it but ultimately they think about their parents and they think about their family and they think you know it's a bigger story if you turn it down it's a bigger story and yeah. and you know let me let's be honest I'm an employer of the BBC. I'm doing a national radio show. I was doing a national radio show. I was a national figure. Yes. It, it's a big story if you say, no, I don't want it. And yeah. all of a sudden, you, you, it's out of control. Mm-hmm. So I took that one for the team. You won't see me wearing it on a blazer anytime soon, <laughs> though, man. And it hasn't been polished since I got it. So. It's not getting in your Twitter name. It's not. No. Um, you're you're if anyone, if I'm going to be straight. If anyone puts it after my name at a gig, I will not do that gig. Really? Uh, someone did it once, and I and I and I went nuts. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't get mine for music. You have to understand, Norman Jay, who uses it in his DJ name, got his for services, services to music. music. I didn't get mine for services to music. A lot of people would be surprised at that. Um, was I'm it serious. broadcasting? It was no. It was volunteering. So mine was for volunteering. It was not for everyone would assume. It's for services to music or broadcast or something. It's not. Well, it's volunteering. I've been put in my place. Me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, amazing. Volunteering night yeah. in terms of youth Yeah, clubs just going round. Yeah, just going. I went around the country for a couple of years. You know, I was, the, I was one of the few national DJs doing what I do. So I, I, it, took me to all, it took me to parts of the country I'd never go to. And in every major city, they have had initiatives for 15 to 24-year-olds who are disadvantaged. You know, we had people in wheelchairs coaching football. We had Sick. Muslim girls doing things that they wouldn't be doing. You know, you know what I mean? Mixing with people and, 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 and it was amazing. Anyone who, if you had an interest in photography, you being, any interest you had, you know, it was a great initiative, I thought it was, because I, I remember six weeks holidays came around when I was like 14, 13, I was so bored. I actually yeah. hated the six week holiday because I had nothing to do. Now that's real spit, man. I used to make like a, a day out of everything. Like one time <laughs> I actually like, planned my day around going to get food. <laughs> but that's, did you find the holidays, the six weeks? Did you go anywhere? If, we, if I didn't have money, it was boring. Well, we didn't have money. Yeah. Who had money? We, we didn't just, have money. Yeah, for real. So, so we didn't I just, go anywhere. Yeah. If I weren't going on holiday, then it was just like, it dragged as well. Yeah, but when you get older... After the, after, yeah. after the first month, you, you kind of wanted to go back to school. Especially if you were half decent at school. Yeah. And I was a bit of a geek. I, was, I, wasn't a bra- I wasn't a brainiest kid in my school, but I was definitely a bit of a, you know, I'd rather be at school. This you know what I mean? This is the thing, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't in any way... I bunked for a bit in year 11, mm. but only because I'm not going to lie. It was when I kind of got into smoking weed a bit more in it, and it was just to kind of... Just to spend so, more so you, of my time smoking you, weed. You, you really started late then, Michael. Well, no, I actually... <laughs> <laughs> Late bloomer in the building. That was sarcastic. I, uh, I, it's funny because I actually started in like year seven, but then it really kind of got intensified. Yes, yeah, so I was still like playing... I was playing with like Scooby-Doo's, yeah, I Tamagotchi's. <laughs> I started smoking weed before like... Before 
drinking. And that is a man who's got uh, your brain cells working. Wait, year properly. seven. Year <laughs> seven is. Is. Wait, year, year seven is eleven. Are we talking that? Yeah. Uh, on on genuinely. Yeah. How do you get money but for you that? Know please. It was. I went to a very very well like a, a school with a lot of well-to-do boys in it. And worst place culturally, like socially, if you're of a higher class, you have more access to things. So I was around kids who were buying weed from year seven because they just had more fucking pocket money. To Believe be you me, mate. And they they'd spent all the shit. You know, they bought it's a myth, comic it? books. They bought everything else. Myth. What else was left apart yeah. from weed? Yeah. It's disposable income, man. That's what more they had. That dis- if you, so if, I had to catch up. You weren't from Hackney. You weren't gonna buy no weed. You were gonna buy trainers if you had enough money. You know exactly. what I mean? They 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 had the trainers bought from already, and everything was sorted. Every, for, exactly. So the is. only thing left to do was drugs, man. <laughs> We it's won't true. talk too much about so, drugs. You um, <laughs> see your voluntary work, did that lead into like you working with the Notting Hill Arts Academy and stuff? Was that No, no, not at all. That that is no, that the voluntary work was genuinely I, I and then, you know, after I got that MBA, my phone never stopped. Can you come and do this? Can you come and do that? It was like my raison d'etre was to just offer my time and my life to, to good causes. And I didn't want to be that guy. It wasn't about that. I just chose to do something. And I, I remember my dad, my dad was an insurance salesman after he was a, and my dad, my dad was a stubborn, stubborn, well, he still is. He's a stubborn man. But one thing about my dad, he's got his principles. He taught me a lot of principles. He never sold anyone an insurance policy he didn't have himself. My dad had a lot of insurance policies, right? <laughs> whether they whether they worked or not. So my is thing was... Is it chicken or egg then? Did like, he have yeah. it ready before he sold it to him? Did he no, just he get just, it out he, because was, he was trying to sell That it was this. his line whenever he went to sell it. He said, listen, I, and, but he meant it. He, he, he genuinely Sincere, did. So yeah. my thing was never do something you don't believe in, really believe in. Really important to me, you know mm. what I mean? So... That was just something that was important to me. I said I would have been one of them kids and I would have loved to have been part of, of this. Of course. Loved to be. So no, my that was over a decade apart. Notting Hill Academy is purely, it's, it's a business, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's not my business, it's someone else's business, but I believe there's a gap. I, I don't like the idea of a lot of kids going to uni, spending 30 grand. Of course. Being told they can have a future in the music business by people who have never made it in the music business. Yeah, right which is normally the case. And I just think, how can all these kids have a job? This, this industry, we know how microscopic this industry is. Mm-hmm. You know everyone that there is to know. I know everyone that there is to know. You know, you know what I mean? Everyone around this yeah. table knows kind of the key people. How, is it, how are you going to have thousands of kids? So what it is, it's a smaller initiative, a smaller group of people, and hopefully a few pe- and people get put into real life situations and our meetings marketing meetings they get a, you know you see if it's something you can do yeah. it's not it's not the solution it's just something that interested me and I, want, and I was happy to be patron of it you know I mean in this day and age there's not really a lot of youth clubs or anything going on for the youth these days so like that is a very big look um, what's your involvement in terms of what you're a mentor exactly? no, yeah I'm going there in a couple of weeks and I do and I meet all the students one on one and they tell me what they're about they present to me you know um to be honest, some of them are very wide-eyed. Some of them, I think, are really good and could get jobs in this business. It's all real talk. There's none of this, you know, it's none of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, we're, you know, I know they're pushing bursaries hard. You know, that needs to be more and more because some of the most talented kids have no money. It's mm. true. It's very and the true. biggest problem we're finding is that some of the talented kids have to, 
you know, you do get, they do drop out some of them because yeah. they just can't afford it. Life takes over. As yeah. Well. Some of the kids with a disposable income are kind of saying, well, I want to see if this is for me or not. We, you don't it's a balance. Get, you need to have a balance. Well, balance. I mean, you know, me growing up, mate, I'm telling you, my attitude was you get a job, you work. It don't work. <laughs> work was a four letter word, still is, right? I never knew anyone who enjoyed work when I was growing up. Work was a means of earning money to then pursue your hobby or your interest mm. after six o'clock. Yeah. That's how we viewed it. Mm. Like, honestly, I didn't know a person who said, can't wait to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I know more people now. People. Yeah, but I know more people now who are like that because oh, yeah, it's, it's your eyes are much more open to what is out there for you. Whereas when I was 15, 16, you're an electrician, a carpenter, mm. Plumber. A plumber, a summit or the other, um, your, your, the advice you got, yeah, your, you know, was always rubbish. No one ever believed you'd amount to anything. I didn't know one person, this is, and this is true, not one person who went to uni of my peers, not one, not one, right? And this is when I was 18, 19, nobody, I didn't know. I, I, I probably did know people. But none of my inner circle, none of my yeah. close friends. Not I didn't go and visit one friend at uni. I didn't say, "Oh, I miss Thingy. She's at uni." Or think, no, <laughs> we went. We we stayed on in the sixth form. Went college for maybe a year, and then got a job. Yeah. And my first job was working at a shoe shop. That was my first job. I worked in a shoe shop, and that was, I didn't know what my future. As a black man in the eighties and the early 90s, like how hard was it to be in this industry and like, be integral? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just genuine because you got to understand How hard that. was it to be in this industry? The only way you were going to be in this industry is if you was a drummer, a bass player or a singer. Yeah. Forget being an executive. Forget about being... Don't, no. There was no... It was No space or... Uh, let me just tell you what it's like for me, right? Yeah, please. I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there and listening to the radio and I love the radio but I never once thought that's the job I could do ever enter my, I thought, what a great job. I used to listen to these guys on radio. He says, Kenny Everett, Roger Scott, anyone, um, um, John Sachs, son, anyone, anyone who's on radio, all these people. And I used to be like, oh man, what a job. <laughs> Playing music for a living, talking stuff. And I actually remembered key things people said. Yeah. Because that's the power of when you hear it. I remember Kenny Everett playing Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow on the radio and it being five, six minutes long or something. Yeah. I've never heard anything like this. And I remember John Peel at school, all the boys, I went to a grammar school up in Old Street. Oh, Central Foundation. Central Foundation. At the time it was a grammar school. Okay. And it was, a you know, I lived in Hackney, a lot of black kids, went to this school full of white kids and we were in a minority. So I learned a lot about other music, punk, new wave, ska, Mm. you know mods rockers all that stuff they were all into everything and I just when I left school I was like okay just work you got to work my first job was importing records I got lucky I got really lucky where was that in the record store yeah. well the joke is this I'm managing a shoe shop right I might have sold about five pairs a day there's a little boutique shoe shop lunchtime I'd lock the shoe shop up Duh, that's when it's most busy because everyone else is on lunch. Yeah. And I go to the record shop <laughs> down the road. Seriously, in my car, I'd nip there or I'd leave one person in the shoe shop. Just to keep an eye on just, yeah. just to see what's come in because I was record mad. The guy who works in the record shop said, you know more about records than me. 
I need someone to, I've got this old school catalogue, I don't even know any of the titles, I wonder if you can help me, blah, 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 blah. Next minute I had a job, not behind the counter, doing imports. That job changed my life. It changed my life. I got £111 a week, right? What, what, what year was this? This is, why, 85, 84, 85. That's what I was asking. That's Right. Hey, that was no money. Shut up. That was before tax. That was before tax. You were balling. No, man. That was before tax. So when you take the tax out of it. No, no, but, but it was a great... Sorry, I'm going to hog this so much, man. It was the greatest job ever, and I'll tell you why. Because it meant I could leave the shoe shop job, obviously. I, was, I don't know, I was 21, something like 22. I don't know what I was, but I, I could leave the shoe shop job, and it was a great job because it gave me a little old van. Right, and my job was to get on the phone to America, and it was as simple as this: What have you got out this week? What's come out? So literally, Public Enemy. Jesus. When Public Enemy first came on the planet, I was there. We got this new band called Public Enemy, and I'm like, okay, what what they sound like? He take the phone, put it next to the speaker, and it's just noise. You can imagine Shockley and all them. It's just noise. I said, what is that? He said, man, it's hot. It's hot in New York. You need some. You need some. And I'd say, give me 50. No, man, you need more than 50, man. You're going to be on my phone. You know, and so I'd order like 300 on behalf of the company. And then, and then I'd say, what house you got? He said, we've got some stuff on tracks. We've got some stuff coming in. We've got masters. You know, we've got Mr. Fingers or stuff like that. So it was, it was DJ International. It was tracks. It was hip hop from Def Jam. It was all those little satellite labels. You know, and if there was a quirky tune that was blowing up in New York, but was on an independent, yeah. I'd have to order that. So, and then I'd race to the airport, count them in the cold. That's, that's actually crazy. Right? The put them back on, put them back on the van and then race to every specialist record shop. There were about three companies that did this in London. Just, Bluebird, Catcher, yeah, all these shops, Groove Records. Pull your van up on a yellow line. Run in the store, all these big DJs are waiting there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're the guy. You're and the I'm the little guy. I'm the little guy, but I'm the guy. I'm I don't guy, care. Yeah, yeah. They're big DJs, but I'm the guy they're waiting for. Me. You need me. <laughs> so I, 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 I loved it, man. I go in, I pull it out. I, it was all about status. It was yeah. all about status. And I'd walk in, little me, and I'd just feel big. I'd feel so big. I loved it. And count them out. And I say, you sold out of them. I told you you sold out of them, didn't I? <laughs> you know what I mean? I told you. You got any left chip? No, I've got none of my van. But then the other van company yeah, might come and they might have some. It was a game. But it's a hustle, and that's what I liked about it. Job it was like, live, <laughs> it was, it was like a hustle. You're driving around, you're parking illegally, yeah, you're getting team. out, you're filling out your pad, you're coming home, and when you get back to the office, which was just up the road, yeah. Stratford, that was where we were based, Stratford. Okay. I'd get all the way back to Stratford. I'd have gone Southend, Edgeway Road, everywhere. Jesus. And I'd come back. It'd be about eight o'clock on the phone again. What you got, man? I've sold out of that. Have you got any more of that? My job was like, I was working 15 hours a day. But you loved it. I loved it. That's the best thing about I it. Plug, man. It. And it set me on. And then the year after that, or that year, I was still DJing. I started DJing. Sorry, guys. You ain't going to be... No, no, please, no, please, no, please, 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 please. Carry on. I, start, I started DJing. Oh, all night. All right. I, for, anyone, yeah. for anyone just listening, there is a fireplace that's been lit. We're all kind of lying on, on our stomachs. No, but my story, honestly, my story, my stories, are, I love my story because it's so honest and, and real. Sounds inspirational and it, as and, well. it, and, it, and, and everyone says you must have been really ambitious. I wasn't. It just all fell into place like this. So I was doing that. And then at the same time, I had a sound system. Yeah. Everybody 
had a sound system or was part of a sound system or was a box boy for a sound system or that promoted for a thing. sound You had to be connected to a sound system. The big sound systems of my time were Rap Attack, okay. Mastermind, Fresh Beat. They were on the other side of town. In my part of town in Hackney, it was Sir George. It was reggae. Reggae yeah. was killing it. Jemmy Magic, people like that. So I started a sound and I thought, I don't want all them reggae heads in my party. They're going to bully me, tell me what I must play. Yo, Trevor, come see the man. What they believe soul music is and funky music and hip hop is, yeah. is not what we think it is. Yeah, there's like two steps. That's all they're like, what we called old school two step, yeah. grinding up against the ball. Rubber right? I wanted to play Dougie Fresh. I wanted to play James Brown. I wanted to play, I was a bit like that. So and I had a few friends, I had a core mates in Hackney that were different, a bit like me. We used to dress a bit different, we were different. It was tough in them days. Mm. You couldn't look like Michael, right? <laughs> you know, no, but you know what I mean? You couldn't, you couldn't dress with freedom, you couldn't, you get picked on a lot. Mm. So I decided to call my son Mad Hatters because I, I said, no one's going to look at that mm. and say, I can't, I've got to be at that rave. Of course. Because it didn't have high power in the name or, or Saxon King Power or something like that. So... The names of sound systems. I did. I did a little party. We used to do stupid little blues parties, and someone put the electricity back on in a in a dead flat or something with a nail. And whoever found the flat runs the door. And all we wanted to do was DJ. But we all took loans out to buy decks, mixer, and all that stuff. We were all in debt for a couple of grand each. Me and my two mates. So I'm playing this party in late, and there's probably eighty people in this party at most. Right, I ain't making no money, never made money. I didn't make money for five years. But Tosca, a guy called Tosca, and I'm putting this on record, it's important that this guy gets some sunshine. Tosca was in there, a guy called Tosca, and he, you know, he was with a guy called Lyndon C. Lyndon C with Derek, Derek Bowlin's one of Derek Bowlin's best mates. They were like best mates. Derek B was like, he was a great DJ, a great DJ. He ended up being a rapper. He ended up being our most successful early early rapper. He rapped in an American accent. Yeah. He got a deal, I think, on Profile. He was... Serious. He, he played at Live Aid. What? He rapped at Live Aid on stage, right? So what year was this? This is... I don't know. He probably... Live Aid was probably um, late 80s, 87 yeah. or something. But anyway, but Derek was first and foremost a hot, hot DJ. He was one of my favourite DJs. So Lyndon being in there and Tosca... You know, I was playing my tunes, my rear grooves and mix, you know, whatever I was playing. I was very eclectic, even when I was a youth. And then I walked, worked in a record shop the next day and someone said to me, Tosca's looking for you. And I said, well, Tosca, is he? Because Tosca, Tosca, Tosca's always buying, Tosca always wants the best tunes, he wants everything. I started, he came back, he said, great party the other night. I said, yeah, he said, you heard of Kiss FM? It was a brand new station. This was the, when it was pirate, yeah? Brand new station. Okay. Two of my favourite DJs were on this station, Norman Jay and Paul Anderson. Jeez, Norman Jay's a legend. Norman Jay and Paul Anderson. And I said, yeah, of course I do. because you want to be on it? Shit came out of my pants. <laughs> right? Right? And I stood behind the counter. I was, at this point, I was now working. I was yeah. managing the record shop and I went, yeah, right. He said, I'm going to put you in touch with a guy called Gordon Mack. Blah, blah, blah. Gordon will sort it out. So I met Gordon Mack. And the first show I got, we was a weekend station at the time. Okay. The first show I got was one till four in the morning. Graveyard shift. Turn. Graveyard. I didn't even know what the graveyard shift was, <laughs> but I was excited. Of course. I went up there, did my show. 
I did my show. I, I don't, you don't want to hear me on radio. I sound so miserable because no one ever smiled in them days. Yeah. We never took pictures. Two things we never did. Never carried cameras. Everything was, everything's, you're going to hear everything from hearsay. Anyone who had pictures, I'm sorry. No one I knew took, took yeah. pictures of anything. There's barely any pictures of me in the 80s, right? Jeez. Barely any. So I did my show. I was like, I did a little competition the first day I did my show, I remember. Was it like, win a free pair of headphones? No, it was win. <laughs> I'll tell you what it was. Win across the tracks, seven-inch single, which was worth about 50 quid. It was rare at the time. And I remember Gordon Mack calling me up and said, you ain't doing that competition. I want that. <laughs> and, I, and, and Kiss, Ricky. you know, I was on Kiss. Yeah. I was on Kiss, basically. And that, was, that changed my life because I loved being a pirate. Of course. I love being a pirate. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of pirates out there. Everyone said they were the best. You know, LWR said they were the best or so. But we knew yeah. we had the most eclectic mix of DJs. We, you know, if you think back to who was on Kiss FM in them so days. So Rodigan was on there and well, West Well, to begin with, no. Judge Jules. Yeah. Woo. Um, me. I got Jazzy on there. Well, Jazzy got himself on there. <laughs> but I, I, you know, you had to, yeah. you had to say you had to recommend somebody it was that kind of station yeah. and you were put on there for your music not your pre presenting skills so we I had juggled yeah it was all about people who knew music everyone on that station had a collection everyone was you know and we spent a lot of money on music man you can imagine records were expensive back ridiculous then, all my wages went on records everything you didn't get nothing free or just live one nothing. out when he's delivering didn't get any we didn't get any promos sent i wasn't on any mailing list yeah. we bought all our music import you know, music cost a lot of money then. Mm. I'd be spending a hundred plus a week on music and I was earning about a hundred pounds. Honestly, how many vinyl would you say you've owned in your lifetime? Even if there's probably, parts of your collection that right, you don't own Probably 20,000, I'd oh say. I, I, I've got about 10 now because I've moved house so many... When I first moved house, right, I remember I called on my mates, we helped me move house. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know... We get about five cars, just move furniture, move house. After that, no one turned up because of my records. This is no like one. you and your trainers, isn't no it? One, no one, no me, one yeah. showed up because of the, the music. and Records are heavy as well. Yeah. That but, but, but let me give you a picture of what it was like in them days. It became a thing, buying records. Buying records became a look. If a guy bought records, he'd carry that record bag everywhere with him that day. It's like if a boy guy bought a belt from Cecil G's he'd carry that bag everywhere with him in fact for four weeks Cecil G that's you, know you get what I'm saying yeah. you buy that's a silk shirt you know. or, yeah. or you go to that's what I'm saying G. well you go Russell and Bromley's Jeez. them reggae boys used to buy their Crocs or their Jeez. skins this they'd be carrying Cecil G I'm telling you man they're, they're carrying a Russell Russell and Bromley bag for like a week Dude, you bought them. <laughs> Put them in your bedroom. Nah, man, it's still counting. But that's how we were. We, we Little things we mm -hmm. absolutely clung on to. Like Harrods bags and shit. It was like really that. important people knew what you were about yeah. from watching you walk down the street. It was important how you dressed to identify whether you was a soul boy, a reggae boy, a skinhead, a, a, a mod, a rocker. You yeah. had to have an identity. No one walked down the road neutral. That didn't happen. And then you'd have an accessory. The accessory told them what you're about. You either have a Sony Walkman, mm. which meant you're music mad. Then reggae boys had a ghetto blaster yeah, walking yeah. down the street. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, it, it, you had to, it was real. Identity was so important to everybody. You, you were literally a first-hand witness of the birth of a subculture with a funky dread. Yeah. Being so close yeah. to 
uh, to Jazzy B as well. How far does your relationship with Jazzy B go? <laughs> I go. Were you like, like childhood yeah. friends? I'm not, I'm no, not... I'll, tell you, I'll tell you when we met. I can tell you exactly what the day we met. We met, uh, there was a club called Trends in, in Stoke New England. And anyone who's old enough Oh, my days. Would know I, about, I trends. about trends. Trends like, was. I've got an older sister. So yeah, I... yeah. You talk about trends. I know about trends. Yeah. When you went in trends, um, they they probably give you a knife to walk in there with. Clear down. Is that is that? They search you. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. At one point, I'm gonna be honest. At that point, living in Hackney, everybody carried something. It was yeah. a silly period, right? You know. Yeah. Because, and it was kind of like, a, a bit like today, people don't understand why kids would do that and say it's for protection. But in a way, it kind of was just because you just didn't know. It was really weird. It was silly because I'm not a violent guy at all. Mm. But no, Trends, what I'm trying to say, Trends was a local club yeah. that did a lot of local events. But my mum used to charm mind the guy who ran it when he was a kid. Right. She was a childminder. Yeah. yeah, so Glenn, Glenn Trent, he yeah. passed away, unfortunately, which is really sad. But he, used, when he, was, he was younger than me, yeah. and, but his family owned the club. So I said, Glenn, I want, I'd like to do a soul night in there. So he gave me a, a Friday night. That's sick. On a Friday as well, man. That's yeah. banging. Before I get to this, I've got to tell you about my first ever gig at Dougie's. Have you ever heard of a club called Dougie's, which is Clapham Pop, right on Clapham, on that roundabout. Right. Clapton roundabout. Yeah, they used to be called Dougie's. There used to be a big place, the White Line pub next to it, I think. Oh, Clapton roundabout, Yeah, Clapton. And then there was Mingles further down. But anyway, Dougie's held about 600 people. I've got a Thursday night, my first ever gig. I did it with a guy called Stafford. Do you know how many people turned up? Ten? No, man. Three times that amount. Hey. <laughs> 30 people turned up. Do you know how many on the guest list? 40. 27. 27 on the guest list. I have three payers. Obviously, they didn't give me another night. Yeah. <laughs> so I, come, man, come. I, and I'm busy playing all my freaky weird music and I, I had to make a decision. And I think decisions... Even some people might be listening to this and they might be embarking on a music career. Decisions you make even at that age, are sometimes the most important decisions you're ever going to make in your life. And mm. I made about four or five decisions in my life that I've stuck to that have been the right decisions. So I don't believe when you're 15 or 16 or 17 or 18, you're not aware. I, don't, I, don't, I never talk to teenagers like they're stupid. Yeah. Because I remember saying to, I remember looking at Stefan and going, boy, three people paid, man. And the club was vast, <laughs> but everyone was dancing. That's the most important. And I said, look, man, this is two, two options here. You either play what everyone wants and you become a DJ for hire. Yeah. And you, you play, but you, you're, you're playing what people want. You're not, you're not getting an identity. Yeah. Or my attitude is I'm looking at this crowd. I'm going to grow this crowd. This it's crowd, this crowd like me, we're in Hackney, we're the underdogs. I'm going to grow this crowd. It's like, you're going to learn, man. You're going to yeah. learn. No, but, but you know what? And I look at what people like Chance and all these people do with their communities. And, you know, I don't even know what they will do because I'm not a social media freak. But all this DIY culture that's going on, I believe in it. I've always believed in it because it's what I've always done. So by the time we went, so when I left that place and I went and did um, the gig at Trends, I was confident that I'm going to promote this Friday night. Mm. So my theory was week one, you guest list it heavy. You, yeah. you lose money. Week two, you lose money, but you must go up. Of course. In week three, of you're aiming to break even. Week three is the most important week of your night, of your, of your run. Because if you break even on week three, after that, you are playing sailing. 
because I'm taking it for granted they will love the music, right? That's sick yeah. how you describe it like Right, this, yeah. so I'm week two. I've got a few people in. Week three, I'm on my break-even week. I'm ready. I've, I've brushed my teeth. I've got fresh jeans on. I've, I've been selecting my shoes. I know this is the week. Glenn's going to look at me and go, mate, you got Fridays for good. I rocked up at the club, double booking. Trev, sorry, man. I've got a, fa- got a fashion show, Trev. Sorry, man. Can't do this. I said to him, Glenn, how long have I known you? We're arguing. He said, Trev, I'm at- he's about 6'4", Glenn was. I was like, all right. <laughs> I stood at the door telling people it's not on. The worst feeling, you know that feeling? It's mm. not on, it's cancelled. Everyone looking nice. Meanwhile, <laughs> everyone in their heels. These guys, these guys are bringing speaker boxes in, oh. right? We, one of them had little dreadlocks. Brings, and he's getting in trouble because he's got no trousers on. If he's only a box, he's bringing the boxes. That was HB Soul to Soul, dragging boxes in. So I'm driving, a, I had an orange Mini and a guy pulls up in a purple Honda Prelude or a Mauve one. He pulls over, he winds the window down, he goes, you mad at her? I said, who are you? He said, he come over and goes, I'm Jazzy B, Soul of Soul. Exactly like so I'm like, so I'm like, like you don't know me. <laughs> I heard about you lot. You pulled off some big warehouse party in, yeah. in King's Cross. I heard you was counting money for like days oh. in black dustbin liners. <laughs> it's this famous party they did. I heard about this yeah, right about by, this by, the, uh, by King's Cross. By King's Cross, yeah. They, on his show, he, he talks about it a bit yes. more. Yeah. Yes. That, and this is all and true. And Judge Jules was involved yeah, in that as well, Yeah, it's all true. It's yeah. all true. Jules, Judge Jules was a young guy. He's actually a year younger than me, I think, Jules. And he's a young guy and... He was a North London boy and the young Jewish kids in North yeah. London were the most receptive to black music. That's a really odd thing. They had this massive Jewish teenage base that were yeah. into hip-hop, reggae. They wanted it. They yeah. just wanted it, right? And so it, Norman J was involved. Jazzy B uh-huh. had the sound system. Norman had that. And they pulled something off and I had nothing to do with it because I wasn't on that. I wasn't part of that clique. I was yeah, just yeah. a local bod from Hackney. Mm. So when I said to Jazzy, you don't know me, I meant it. Yeah. I said, I've heard of you because my best mate leaves my parties to go wherever you lot are <laughs> because you're always in some trendy ass spot while I'm in Hackney. Yeah. Because yeah. Hackney, Hackney was not trendy, mate. You see, London feels like it is now. London feels was a no-go area back yeah, in the mm-hmm. day. You're crazy. So I was like, I was kind of happy to, that he knew me because all he said to me, because what he said to me, he said, I said, how did you know me? He goes, I heard you got tune. That's all he said. And that, that, mate, that's all I needed to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I said to him, that, that, was, that was your thing. That was the thing. It's like someone said, I hear you can rhyme, man. You know, it's, it's the thing. Yeah, totally. So he, then he's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> you should have been like, yeah, yeah, I got a couple. <laughs> Check Jazzy's next line. Come to my office. Ooh. I'm like, what sad man's got an office? Are you, I said, where's your office? He goes, Camden. And Camden was, you have to understand, in the 80s was the place to be. Camden was Shoreditch way before yeah, Shoreditch. Camden, Camden was the hub of, every, it was the being, you know yeah. what I mean? I was so impressed. So I had to play it cool. I was like, all right, all right I'll come up and see you. Went up and saw him. Saw, it was, it, you know, mate, if his office was <laughs> like this place now, this place is Buckingham Palace, the Jazz's <laughs> office, right? <laughs> But my point is, he had a space. Yeah. There was H on the decks. There was Sparky, who was, uh, you know, who he was. Had a, a he had, store, he had didn't mate, he? he had, he didn't have the store yet. Oh, he just had the space. Oh, this right. is pre-store. This is just the space. This is before everything. Mm. This is at the 
soul soul couple of years in, you know. But I was impressed, you know, because he was organised. But I thought, no one makes a living out of a sound system. Everything we do is illegal. Like, you can't make... He said, I said, he said, Prince's Trust. Yeah. For real? Prince's Trust, they helped me with my, with my um, postage, with this, with the, my rent. With, yeah, that's why I believe, you know what I mean? Because I saw it in action. And um, from that moment on, we just, we got on. Mm. We did a party in Hackney. This is a great idea. It was a jeans jam. It's the first time I earned money from a party I'd ever done. And um, he showed, he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot, you know, like in terms of, he didn't teach me. I just observed. Mm. Him and Norman were the two people I observed the most, just watching them. And the fact that they, everything they put on, they made sure they was on a cut of it or in control of it, more importantly. Not so much the cut, because I was tired of being in debt. I was always in debt for music. I maxed out my credit cards. I mean, I owed about, Five grand on records, owed. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Passion, man. <laughs> dude, I was an addict. It was horrible. It, I, I lost everything to music. Seriously, I lost my girl. Everything, right? I, I've got stories for you. But anyway, he, them guys taught me. I mean, so my thing was Norman was on Kiss. I wanted to get Jazzy on Kiss. I kept putting the saying to no Gordon, "You need to get Jazzy on Kiss." But Jazzy, so so were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They were going to get on anyway, and. It was, it was a really good family. One day, Gordon Mack turns around and says, so, you know, Kiss FM's going to shut down. Sorry, just quickly, was Kiss FM, is it true that it was on a boat back in the day? No. Okay, so <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. It, it, not in my time. It wasn't on a boat, no. <laughs> no. That's Caroline. That's Radio Caroline. That's Radio 1. That's the original Radio 1. Okay, yeah, yeah. Radio Caroline, yeah. Radio Caroline was the original romance. And everyone thought Pirate Radio is romance. That's why it's called Pirate. Mm. Because it was on a boat. Car Radio Caroline, and it wasn't the only station on a boat, in the 60s, that's what they did. They put them on boats because you can't touch them. Yeah. There was no law that says you can't broadcast from a boat, mm. but there was a law that kind of said you can't illegally broadcast from land or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So they, they got around the rules. Loopholes. What, what we did, we just did the original microwave link. You're in one building. You're transmitted far, far away. <laughs> when you we get done, yeah. Do, it? Like, we ain't got no seas around Which, here. Yeah. Landlocked when you get done, <laughs> yeah, when you get, when you get done, you get done. Yeah. But they, whenever they found the DTI who were the enemy, DTI, DTI <laughs> when they, they grab your, they grab your shit, but they don't grab you. Yeah. You're naive if you got your stuff in the same place. Yeah, but course. what we were gutted about was, man, my show, if we got done on the Friday night, my show ain't on on the Sunday and I'm, I'm in bits, I man. I hate that when you go on pirate radio. I'm on I've spent a hundred pounds on records this week. Them records don't mean nothing next week. That's how we were. Yeah, of yeah. course. Next week's a new batch, you know. I'm missing out. Everyone else is playing them. You know, we were like that. It was silly. Yeah. But one day, Gordon Mack said, um, we had a meeting. There was about 25 to 30 DJs in that room. And he said, George Power's leaving. He owned, George Power, Tosca and Gordon Mack owned yeah. Kiss FM, three of them. George Mack, um, um, we'd already voted Tosca off for something he did. So it was just Gordon and George. George started Greek radio. He saw, he saw bigger bucks in Greek radio. Yeah. So he left and Gordon said, we've got nowhere to go. We've got no money. We need to raise two grand. We need to, two grand is about 25 people sitting there going, oh my God, where are we going to get that You're from? You're like, well, I'm in debt already. What do you want? <laughs> where are we going to get that from? He says, well, maybe if, if, if 10 of you put 200 pound in each, we could, Sorry, I'll start again. If ten, the, yeah, yeah, if, if ten of us, yeah, if ten of us put two hundred pound in each, we can raise the two grand. So even though I didn't have the money, I put my hand up because yeah, I love the station. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's and so ten of us did. Then it's like we got nowhere to broadcast, and I said, uh, "I got somewhere." 
My girlfriend's flat. Oh, good. 19 floors up <laughs> in Leytonstone in Catwell Estate. Brilliant. Where is it? It's 19 floors up. Where? Catwell Estate. Oh, awesome. Da -da 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 -da. Got some keys cut. And then I told her. Oh. What's the, what's the saying? What's the saying? Forgiveness is um, easier to get than permission. Yeah. Mate, it's a one-bedroom flat. And you're, you're cramming in. <laughs> Sorry, Stephanie. <laughs> it, it was over. Literally. How long did it last well, for? well, no, I mean, the station came in there, they pissed everywhere, they oh. cups everywhere. Obviously, and also the threat of getting done, raided yeah. in a flat. I mean, but you, when you're in there, when, you're, when all you care about is music you and do doing this, you do anything. It was like that. I mean, you have to understand, in order to hear your favourite tune, you had to go to a club of or course, listen to Pirate yeah. Radio. You're not hearing it anywhere else. It's not, you can't open a laptop. Yeah. People were dedicated to this, yeah. you know. We, I mean, we sweat blood for this. You yeah. know, it was, a, was a big thing, man. It was huge. Still is. That's the why people. Thing, this that, is that's thing. why was... people still talk about it. Yeah. So affectionately, yeah. even the, the grime MCs who, who grew up on on pirate, they still talk so affectionately yeah. about so, it. Uh, you know, there was nothing else. Yeah, there was nothing else. And like we, the internet was just coming up. Pirate really exactly. was my life. So solid, the light of yeah. But, but and we're talking a, a generation before that. Yeah. So imagine what we were like yeah, of course we were starving so so i mean things accelerated you know and we were i was enjoying life in the in the 80s it was like fashion was great you could wear what you like you have an afro or you always and, mate this is my problem it's a, it's a sad thing and i'll, and I'll come clean about the whole yeah. hair thing everyone might want to know curious mate, you made it, it, no, no. this is the thing whatever you're gonna say you made it you you owned it bro yeah you yeah i mean you, you it, this, 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 it. This, this, it's through necessity, Michael. Seriously, <laughs> but no. In the in the in the eighties, I'm like, so I'm I'm. Let's go back to Jazzy. I'm like, Jazzy's like, so this is Jazzy. He's he's so funny. He's like, so why are you call mad at her then? And I'm like, just I just come up with a stupid name. You don't wear hats though. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I just come up with a stupid name because a funny name because I wanted my sound to sound a bit different to the norm. He said, well, we're the funky dreads. We got funky dreads. <laughs> <laughs> Trev, man, you got to wear a hat. Mm. So then I became a mad, mad hat wearing. I had about fifty hats. I used to go and buy hats for so much money. Swear. More debt. Wear them. <laughs> wear them while I'm DJing. White brim hat while I'm DJing. Sweat the shit out of the hat. Ruin the hat. Ruin my hair in the meantime because I ne no one ever saw my hair again. Serious. I just I used to have a sort of quiff. All my boys were James Brown freaks, so yeah. we quiffed it up. But my quiff always went flop. Because I didn't know them boys were spraying here, spraying there, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would never do that. But so I became the Mad Hatter anyway. And I wore hats, wore hats all the time. And then um, we could get to the point when I shaved my head. I remember the day I shaved my head for the first time. It, it changed my life. It's yeah. a, it's, remember I said there's points in my life where things yeah. happen. The first one was, the first one was being at that club and 30 people turned up. Yeah. All right. And me deciding... I'm going to grow this instead of become a DJ for hire. Yeah. I'm going to I still want control, want my own thing. And I'd rather have 10 more people than 15. I did parties for 50 people. Mm. People talk about them like they're legendary. More people say they were there than were there. <laughs> you know what I don't think but you know more people yeah I used to follow Mad Hatter yeah bruv I, I bump into people on Oxford Street they tell me this shit I'm like I'm looking Lying. at them going well I don't mind yeah. I like it I think it's funny so um, it just means they knew you from Hackney that's all or they went in a record shop you were in once they didn't go to your parties yeah. and all of them but um, so that was one thing another thing was um, I remember when Kiss got a licence 
What year was that? I was going to say you were part of it. 1990. Yeah. It's a massive, massive. How long was you on it before the license? Um, We started, we were five years, but two of those years we were off here applying for a license. The the, the government said, we're going to give you a license, someone a license, but you've got to go through the normal channels and apply. So people like LWI said, we don't believe you. Most of them said, we don't believe you. They carried on with their hustle because they was doing all right, making a bit of money. We weren't, we were subsistence. We weren't making money. Every penny we got went back in the station Mm -hmm. and we tried to do it the right way. The first station that got a license was Jazz FM. We were gutted. So it could have caused mutiny in the camp because mm. it, DJs Oops. are sitting there going, I told you, I told you, they just wanted us off the air. Yeah. They were never going to give a shit. You know how this is. The system's corrupt. Rah, rah, rah. Gordon, to his credit, persuaded us all. And these are guys hungry to do radio. Yeah. To wait. Try again. He must have known something. And we tried again. When we got that license, bruv, it was the only time my dad and music. My dad always said, I'm going to go to the reggae university. He didn't approve at all of my madness with music. Yeah. Not knowing that it's his collection that That's inspired me, yeah. that inspired me the most. But he always worked. And I remember we shared a glass of champagne just because I think my dad couldn't believe it. And yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I'm, and then when they said, we want you to do... First of all, they, the first shock for me was we want you to be on the board of directors, the only DJ on the board of directors. I'm 25, and they said, you're on the board of directors. Wow. So next to me was Richard Branson's lawyer. On the other side was nah. a big man from... Man, ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about, but I still went to the meetings with a big wide brim hat because I was a mad hatter. So I'm sitting there like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I bought me my first ever new car because I got, I think I got 10 grand a year for being on the board. Yeah. Back in 90, that was some change. big money, that man. Was all right. How did right. it feel like when you paid off all your debts? Uh, excuse me? <laughs> what are you talking about, paid off debts? Oh, oh, yeah. You're from the pro you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you're a Why do you think he moves past so much? Do you know? He's you, got fishes now. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I want to get, I want to jump to that, but when we got the license, when we got the license, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm going to, that's a really good point because that is a real point and I will tell you because at some point money does become you know, you can say you do things for the love and you can keep saying that to the cows come home. Eventually, money, money becomes important, yeah. right? It Absolutely. does become important. But um, the, that changed my life, 1990. That changed my life. It changed all our lives. It changed the listening habit. It changed the lives of a lot of people in London because Choice FM had already been granted a local license okay. like for, for, for Bricks and South London. And, and then in North London, I had a little one in North London, so I had Tottenham and, they, and there was, a, I think, another one called W, WKND or something, W, I can't remember, there was a little North London one as well, mm. but Kiss was London-wide, yeah. proper dance station, and the music coming out was all over the place, it was house, yeah. British people were now making their own music, a lot of house, a lot of British music was being made, we had the DJs that could handle all that, you know, I was there and they said, we want you to do a daytime show. What, daytime shows? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I did that for a bit, but unfortunately I fell in love, got married, and I lost my way. Yeah. It became all about, you know, my life, my kid. And it, it, was, a bit, it was a bit crazy. It was Lots a bit crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. It wasn't easy, and I lost the plot, and they, they fired me off daytime what? for my attitude. Can you believe me? <laughs> for my for, no but for the way I was yeah. I was really down and I wasn't really being myself yeah. I mean Gordon 
to be fair, Gordon called me in his office and he started crying. Well, you detached from everything. That, yeah, that he started crying when he fired me. You know, it was like, yeah, I didn't care. Yeah. I did not care. I was not in a good place. And that's when I shaved my head. <laughs> I shaved my head. That was the third thing I did that was a great thing to do. No, the second thing was the, the week we were on, on air, yeah. I'm driving through Hackney. And this is, this is something that Michael will understand massively, being slightly older than I think most of you around the table, right? <laughs> no, I'm a dinosaur. Right, this is, this is, the, this yeah. is a big yeah. thing. It's a big thing for me. So I'm driving through Hackney and there's a guy called Ricky Rankin who was born and brought up in Hackney, same as me, but he talked just like a yardie. Mm. And that you used to have a lot of that back in the day. Mm -hmm. You used to have us guys who talk like, you know, black Cockney Londoners, yeah. that's what we are. And then you'd get the guys that talk like pure yardies. But yeah. never been Jamaican. <laughs> he, he probably had, but when he was you, you know what I mean? <laughs> so he stops me in my car. I'm going on up to Forest Gate where I was living at the time. He said, Cheva! Why now the window, man? I kiss my friend get a license, Rasta! He's like, he's like, listen, man, I heard you on the radio today, man. Respect my brother and all this shit. Respect, respect, respect. He's giving it and he goes, but here what? I said, what? It's not like a white man. That he said to you, yeah? So I said, Ricky, later, yeah? What? No, no, I was, no, I was good. No, I was good. No, I was good. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I said, all right, Ricky, later, man. I wound the window up. I sounded like me, yeah, basically, right? And I drove, I, that drive to Forest Gate was the longest drive. It only takes 20 minutes. Yeah. It's the longest drive of my life. Mind was doing over. It was my first week. I was still core Hackney boy. I hadn't seen the big bad world. I hadn't even been out of London much, you know mm. what I mean? And this guy's hitting me with this one. And I was like, I remember going home and sitting there and panicking. Shit, I sound like a white guy. What does he mean? What's he trying to say? He knows me all my life. What's he talking about? Well, he never said that to me before. I've always talked like this, but he thought on the radio I should put on a voice. Yeah. That was him talking. And I had to make a decision. You know, and I, my decision was, no, sorry, mate. I sound like me. Yeah. And that's it. If I, I'm not going to make an effort to go on the radio and put on a persona. I'm not knocking people who do it. Of course. You have, you know what I mean? Some people got a shtick, they got a shtick, that's your shtick. Mm. My shtick is, I'm me, right? Yeah. That was decision number two. Decision number three was I shaved my head a couple of years later. Yeah. That was a big one. That was a huge decision. Because I shaved my head. I, no one had seen me for like a year. I was lost in the abyss of life. <laughs> horrible madness. That I had no money. I'd lost all my money. Um, tried to buy a house. Lost all my shares in Kiss. Down to zero. Oof. I, I, someone just stole my car. It wasn't even insured. Oh. I borrowed six grand to buy the car. They couldn't. They wouldn't let me insure it because it was a hot hatch. They they were coming down really hard. So yeah. it was on the forecourt or somewhere. And on my birthday, someone teethed the car. Oh, my... And they found the car burnt out. Or they could only they only had the serial number left. Wow. And so I had to pay for that car for the next two years. That's hurting. I was in a terrible place, mate. That's hurt. That's Seriously, mean. right? So I shaved my head and I was like, I dare someone come and slap me on my head. <laughs> <laughs> but my mate actually walked up to me. He's the biggest piss take I know. And he said, it suits you, you know? He just said, it suits you. Yeah. I went, really? He said, yeah, no, it really suits you. And that was it. And I, because at the time there was only a couple of black people with bald heads that I knew. <laughs> Michael Jordan was yeah, my inspiration to shave real. my head, actually. He gave me the like, because if you look at him with the same skin tone, everything, you know what I mean? I, I just went, 
and it, and it really is a scary thing. You know, you, I'm not being, it, it's, it seems like nothing, but it was a scary thing to me back then. No one did it. Yeah. No one, well, not no one did it, but very few people did it. Absolutely. And it's you, a massive statement to, to, you, you, to literally go bald. You've, massive, all of you in this room have only known me bald. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was asking if you had hair. Yeah. Now, if you, no, I've still got hair yeah. grows. I, I would have a devil's peak. Yeah. Like my, my family, hereditary, we, we normally go, we get that little devil's peak, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like you saying Bolt's gonna have one, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can yeah, see yeah, it, right? Yeah. He could be in my family. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And a lot of black guys have got that. So that was a big, big thing for me. And that gave me a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the only reason I managed to move on and do stuff, you know, visually, because I, I wasn't a confident guy before that yeah, at all. You have literally been, uh, it seems like a jack of all trades, but master of all of them. You've gone from, you know, a renowned DJ to a re renowned. We, we, we've we've touched on your your work as a as a DJ as a broadcaster. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people know about your A and R work as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then That's... there's obviously you know being being a, a household name on our mm. TVs with the. Uh, I've done some silly shows as well. You know that a lot of people never saw. You know. Oh really? Yeah, but I. You know what it is. You know what it is? I think, and it's funny because the first thing I said when I came and I said to Rebecca, I said, well done, congratulations mm. on your presenter award. Mm -hmm. Because you need to, when you get acknowledgement, you need to be encouraged, you know what I mean? And it's not all you can do. It leads to other things eventually because it means someone likes your personality. Some, there's something about you. But I also am quite afraid, you know what I mean? I've been, I'm not like, I know a lot of people who, just fearless and will do anything. I remember being at home. I remember being at home, getting my Technics. First time I had my Technics, it's a wonderful moment, right? And you get your mixer. And I remember spinning back and keeping that loop going. Before we had all them Serratos and yeah. it was a pure vinyl and scratching. Tens, yeah. yeah, 12 tens, rain, rain, mixer, you know, scratching, just keeping it going. I thought I was like flash. Come in a club, I'd never do it. Never do it. You never hear me go, never, never. Because unless I felt I was the best or really good at something, really, really good, I wouldn't touch it. Right. I would always let, you, I would always let other people do it. And I'd always let someone who's better than me do something that's better than me. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, of course. Rather yeah. than that's the lean, stumble through and yeah. say, oh, I can do it, I can do it. Yeah. There's a lot of DJs I noticed would be truly ambitious with what they want to do and probably not capable to do what they want to do. So I stuck to what my strengths were. You know, I'm a selector at heart. I was going to say, yeah. I'm that, a selector. The, in, in the bits, those were, it wasn't about how technically able nah. you were. You, you, you kind of revered certain DJs for doing that, but you didn't try it. You yeah. just knew that you were, when there was a party that needed exactly. starting, exactly. you were the man. Yeah. People don't care about the freaking freaking The kids, the that kids were cutting and scratching a lot. It was a lot of battling going on with her. You'd have a sound system, you'd have someone who could do that. Mm. But the most revered person in the sound system it's the selector, end of story. It's the selector, the guy. If you're known for what you chose to play or your tune selection or where you can take the party, yeah, of course you've got to be able to blend the tune and yeah, keep the course. party going. But, you know, anally holding the tune in the mix for three minutes, yeah. the only people who cared about that were guys who wanted to do it. Yeah, of course. Girls are like, dude, What's when's the vocal song? coming yeah. in? Yeah. When's the vocal, you know, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, another big decision was, you know, I, I, used, I said I used to have a core of, people from my era used to come to my parties 
And it was great to see them because you could put something on and they'd get the party started because yeah. everything was about dancing in those days. You know, it was no... We walked into a club. Mate, I, I used to queue up to go electric ballroom when I was 19 at 9.30. I was wow. the third person in the queue. Paul Anderson would walk past me with his record boxes and my heart would go funny. You know what I mean? Because that's the guy who's going to play on my electro funk yeah. in a minute. I'm going to be walking up to him going, I'll be walk, trying to get on the stage going, to my mate, should I ask Paul what that tune was? You know what I mean? And he'd be like, and then you're like, I'm going to do it. Dude, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. Because you're not going to know what it is. Yeah, Who's going to tell yeah. you? No you're not, I'm going to go home and... and, and Go on the internet. There was no internet. I can't. You, you, you're, this, you're this in a is, club. This is actually mad, you know. When you actually think, about. Yeah, when you actually think about it, it's scary to think that like there was no Shazam. There was no way you could remember some of the lyrics and Google it. No, it's a completely different you world. Didn't Mate, know. you are the DJ was so powerful. You are standing on the dance floor. I'm telling you now. Some kids are break dancing. Some are popping. Some are locking. Some are sliding. You're doing whatever you're doing. Again, I could dance, but I wasn't the best dancer. So, so you didn't I'm, make I'll be show busting moves yeah, everywhere. Yeah. But come the club, I'm just on the periphery. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's me. So, and, and that, is, that was, the, and we'd have two pound on us. And it'd be like, we'd come out the club, I'd buy one tango. And I'd have about 150 or, no, more than that, one, one, 160, 70. I could buy KFC. Was it, still, was it still in the It's the still same the same place. No way. Same place. Fuck that you. That KFC's no. been there for, forever, right? If we bought KFC, we're walking home. Yeah. And that's three mile walk. That chicken right? had to be the one. So, <laughs> I would do that, boy. These are decisions. Trust me, that, that chicken, chicken had to be the one. These are the decisions we had to make. What did you used to get, though? 50-50. Well, it was, it was always that. Nah, you just got you just got chips, wings, and something or the other. We couldn't afford. Oh, yeah, we couldn't I, afford. I know this Additional corn. I don't want to know the secret blend of herbs and spices. If Mate, we are walking. Let me tell you something. I'm walking home real slow. Real slow. I mean, I'm, no, real fast. No, I'm walking home real fast. I'm eating real slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because by the time I got to, to Stamford Hill, I'm good. I know I'm about a mile and a half from my yeah. house. I know that this walk takes crazy. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 at this time, it's about four in the morning. Because, you know, and it's beautiful, though. Beautiful. Look at me. Look at my memories. I'm, I'm lighting up at yeah, the yeah, thought yeah, of it, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, it, to me, that's what makes you. That's when you know you love the club. Of course. Mm. You I, mate, I love that club. And you didn't even drink? No. No, I didn't drink. I had a, uh, alcohol, forget it. It was just, just tango. Just it was just tango, refreshed. Because you already knew you were going to So George, George Power, who used to run that night, George Power saw I was queuing up early. Where did you go? I'll go, I'll go college. I'll go Kingsway, Kingsway Princeton College. That's where I go. And um, he say, can you promote? You can promote. I'll give you free tickets to come in if you promote in the college. Smart man. Gives me some tickets. I'm going around the common room. I'm like... A don. So add street team to I'm a don. I'm a don. I'm like, you want to go, you want to, you want to, you want a discount ticket to uh, Jersey Funk Club Electric Ball on Friday? <laughs> Once again, the plug. <laughs> All his life, yeah. team. All his All life, he's yeah. been you the plug. You want that? You want that? You want that? I'm yeah. guy again. Roll with <laughs> us, man. Roll with us. And that, that, you know, the little tiny stupid things like that is what makes you, you know, but you don't forget, you lean on them. And all these people through the eighties, I sussed out that right from now on, every gig I do, I'm promoting it. Yeah. 
Not because I wanted the money, because I wanted the control. Yeah. I wanted the control. I, I never wanted to be that guy who someone said, will walk in a club and bully you to play a record. Mm. I don't care what they're playing down the road. This mm. is what we play here. It's, yeah. You know, it's the only way you can protect yeah. your, 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 your own environment. You know of what course. I mean? So I always ran clubs. I ran a lot of different dance. Wicked, Under the Arches in Vauxhall was in the 80s. It started at Electric Ballroom. One of my scratch DJ guys was one of the promoters and then we moved it to, and it was a legendary gig. You need to ask someone who's 40 about that gig because we used to put a lot of people in the arches mm. illegally <laughs> and Giles Peterson played and Jules played for us and Jazzy played and it was great. Seems um, much more fun back then with the party yeah, essence and stuff like that. Now it really it seems was. More I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be yeah. one of, yeah, but I'm not going to be one of them people who says, Oh, like people say to me, come on, hip hop in the old days was way better than trap today. Yeah. And they always do this because when I was that age, I was saying electro funk was the shit. Electro yeah. funk. I loved electro go go. And people say that is rubbish. Mm. That is nonsense. You know, Planet Rock's what everyone knows, but yeah. there's so many other tunes. And I used to go nuts to it. I used to dress like a, a freak. You know what I mean? So <laughs> love it. Um, but looking back, I get why people say this is not, this is nonsense. You know, soul boy, this is, this is rubbish. Yeah. So now I'm getting the same thing. Every generation in the yeah. 90s when bad boy were doing their thing, mm. people go, they're all samples, man, rubbish. Yeah. It's all yeah. samples, it's rubbish. Yeah. It, that is rubbish. And now people looking back on it so affectionately, like, what's happened to music? Yeah, that was yeah, so yeah, good yeah. in the 90s. But during that, you know, every <laughs> decade I hear this. So I'm, I'm very, I, I, there's only one music type that I would say I saw the demise of in no time, that was dubstep. Mm. I always saw that that was that they were rushing that so quick. Mm. Compilation albums came out in no time. Yeah, people on the radio, dubstep, dubstep, you know. Yeah. Before, before, I'm sure it's it got silly. I think it, it got dubstep silly. only exists in Miami right now. It I got don't silly. Think it it got from a, yeah, oversaturated man. Definitely got oversaturated. Same with a lot of scenes though. Yeah. A lot of scenes did that. But we were hung. We're hungry here. We, we're impatient in America. They stick with a style a lot longer than we do. We are very impatient. We mm. like to mix things up quickly. And, you know, one minute it was Jungle, next minute it was UK Garage, and then it was Speed Garage, and then it was something else, then it was Baseline, then it was this, then it was yeah, this. Yeah, you're baseline. like, whoa, <laughs> and whoa. this is all within the last decade. If you're in a different postcode, you've got a different style of music. It was yeah, like, true. you know, and a postcode could be just across the road. Mm. You know, so, you know, lots of things, man. I think that's the perfect time to take a break. Speaking about speaking of impatience, uh, we're, we're, we're quite desperate for a little... Uh, Break. Break. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, when we come back, we'll speak about a couple of things that are going on right now. In fact, we'll we'll speak a little bit about. Yeah, definitely, it. and more 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 recent stuff. Mm, absolutely, cool. Join us for the shorter half. Right, so we are back. A very very quick break, man, because we just want to get straight back into things. We've got Trevor Nelson joining us here for episode zero twenty nine of TBC podcast. You are listening to GRM Daily. This has become a bit of a masterclass for us. I think this is a privilege that yeah, we definitely. in this room are sharing right now. Because um, if you listened, I'm sure you did listen to the first half. You've got some absolute gems, um, and my mic's apparently facing the wrong way. So I'm, apologies if the volume was. You never sounded better, Michael. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks for coming from you, mate. That's a <laughs> <laughs> That's an absolute uh, an honour. We first met at the, um, it was Maidavell Studios yeah. uh, for Radio 1 when Ed Sheeran, quite at the, be uh, the, the beginning of his career after he blew up, but well, after he got signed, yeah. he was doing a live lounge, a, um, a, a collaborations number five live lounge. And 
it, it's nice to now sort of come full circle yeah, and absolutely. be the broadcaster interviewing one of my heroes. <laughs> you know? yeah, you're definitely one of my heroes, man. Thank like, you, mate. Yeah, ne you never think so, Ren. Nah, on a level, I'll be honest with you, I used to go home and watch the lick. Like, Honestly, that was my highlight of my week. Gen Generation was the highlight of my week. You know, you were, you were a household name for m myself, my older sister, even my parents knew about it. But them. you know what's funny, though? I was aware through every single minute of how important us just being on telly was. Yeah. Can I be honest with you? We, yeah, yeah, be, totally. When I was in the, I got a job in the record industry. In, you know, I kind of, I actually got invited in mm -hmm. to, to, to work actually in, when I say industry, I mean the big house. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it was a bit against, it was a, like the devil's house to me because I always, I spent my whole youth buying imported records that never got released in this country because people didn't believe in them or British acts that, had a hit and then didn't get the support they wanted, all this sort of stuff. So I always thought the industry, the industry, they just don't, they just don't, they don't, don't care about our music, you know, this sort of thing. So when I got in there, I thought, right, I'm going to try and sign me a catalogue artist, an artist that I believe is going to leave, can write songs. I wanted singer-songwriters. That's all I wanted. I wanted singers. And I found this guy, Lyndon David Hall. Jeez. Right. Do I qualify? Oh, yes, this album's sir. cold. Sorry, yeah. sorry. That's a soul man. Listen. And he, he, he was, honestly... God bless his soul, man. If you've heard of Loose Ends, yeah. they were mm -hmm. like one of the first... In the 80s, they were a great group. They they inspired Soul to Soul a lot, actually. They they sold in America mm. more than to they the sold here. where people thought they thought were they American. Were American. Like, they for were, a while, I thought Loose Ends were American. And the production was so Sick. on point. Carl McIntosh, Danny D did some remixes. It was great. And... um. You know, I, and they didn't, they, they, they did okay. They were signed to Virgin. Virgin was a good label for that kind of thing. So, so ended up on Virgin. Yes. Um, and I was at EMI, which is like Britain's label, which yeah. is the, you know, traditionally EMI, Beatles, home of the Beatles, mm -hmm. Kate Bush, wow. people like that. Iron Maiden, I think, were on EMI. People like Cliff Richards was on EMI. Wow. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like that sort of a label. And, but it was going through a, a big turmoil, a lot of turmoil at the time. And I found it really difficult mm. to, to work under those, that situation. Now we had a band, Eternal. Oh, they man. weren't my band, they were on the EMI label. My label was Cool Tempo, which was a smaller label yeah. off it. And I saw how that worked. There's a lot of money thrown at that. They were good, but there's a lot of money going, swirling around videos, a lot of money, big, big money. And I thought, oh, not me. I'm, I'm, I want to grow something. So I found Linda. Linda was very shy, boy from South London. He had loads of demos. And one of his demos literally made me cry when I heard it off a tape. He did them all in his bedroom and that. And it's called um, There Goes My Sanity. And I could totally relate to that tune in terms of the title. Mm. Every one of us around this table is going to have a moment when that tune, just the title of that tune means something to them. Yeah. When you think you're, it's going. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Your raison d'etre ain't your raison d'etre. Yeah. You're not quite sure what you're doing, yeah. why you're here, why people don't get you, yeah. or why people can't appreciate you. This sort of thing. It's a you're, daily you're, thing for a lot of people. It's a, it's a ceiling, it's a full stop, mm -hmm. it's a lid shutting on you. you that feeling, quite claustrophobic. If you get out of it, you're winning. You're winning, of course. It doesn't matter if it's just breathing, having a job, whatever, you're winning. But you get to that point, and I thought this kid's amazing. But he's so shy, he's so introvert. And he's a handsome boy, he didn't even see it. Yeah. He had locks, he had, he had, you know, he had 
Timberlands on, he had a big old coat. He wasn't this sexy looking guy. And when I say locks, I don't mean, you know, I mean just locks, just locks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. just that nothing. <laughs> just them, them sort of, there's a book. <laughs> right? Them locks. And um, he cleaned it all up, you know, and, he, and we signed him. I had to, I had to convince my, my, my boss that he was worth signing. And the funny thing is we put a showcase on for him and he was singing, he was again, really shy. And my boss had signed Babylon Zoo. I don't know if you remember a tune called Spaceman. It was on the I Jeans advert. Spaceman. Space it was the, it was the fastest selling Rhythm. single in the history of British music at that point. In, in one week. Fastest Rhythm. selling number one, biggest number one, bam. And my yeah. boss, he was into stars. Yeah. He knew a star. His dad was Don Black, is Don Black, who wrote Diamonds Are Forever and Ben for Michael Jackson Jeez, and things wow. like that. His dad is a big lyricist, a legendary lyricist, incredibly successful. Yeah. So he spots stars, he likes stars. Lyndon didn't look like one. Lyndon looked like a shy guy with talent. And then he did something, he, pulled, he had this blue, I think he had a blue electric guitar, a guitar. And for one song in the showcase, I was looking at my boss, he was thinking, I was thinking he ain't gonna sign him. He ain't gonna sign him. Then he put the guitar around his neck, mm. started playing it and sung. And then he went, cause he just, he just, the guitar's a crutch yeah. for a lot of musicians. And when you've got your tool, you just look so much better and comfortable. Mm. And we signed him. So we made this album. And we also had D'Angelo on the label, yeah. but he was our American. So I had to work D'Angelo. Now this is the scary thing. So I had D'Angelo first. And everyone around this table would admit, if they know who D'Angelo is, he was like Frank Ocean of his day, yeah, yeah, but the original. Yeah, of mm -hmm. course. Right? In terms of he shook up the industry. Yeah. He brought soul back to the mainstream in America. Over here, trying to get Brown Sugar played on radio was so hard because it's so introvert, mm. it's so slow, it's so cool. Is, it, is yeah. it as subversive as I think it is? Yeah. It is about what I think it is, yeah. right? Okay, cool. Well, did that have a, an effect on... Was that no, no one... So, no, it was no not one a factor. Clocks. Although the word brown <laughs> ain't <laughs> yeah. the best, you know. But I, I, I don't think that was why. It was just... Radio didn't really get it, apart from a few specialists. So my job, I had to remix the record for radio. So I had to get remixes to remix the record as sympathetically as I could. Obviously, he didn't, he ain't gonna love those remixes because he made them, but he kind of had to be persuaded that that's how we got to do it. And every country probably, a couple of countries probably did a few remixes. And that was, I'm just giving you an idea of what it's like out there. So imagine Frank Ocean brings out, give me a Frank Ocean song, anyone. Um, I've been thinking good. about you. Novocaine. All right. No, 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 thinking about no. you. That's a beautiful that's song. A tornado right? for that. Right, you stop right there. A potato that, <laughs> hello, that would have to be remixed to have got played on radio in those what? days. There were very few people outside of Specialist Radio would have played that. It wouldn't have made any daytime playlists wow. or anything like that. And, and so imagine how Frank would have felt. Mm. Some guy don't know is commissioning a remix on his tune in order to get, but I'm, I'm doing it for the greater good. But that's where we were. So with Lyndon, and I did that with D'Angelo. So with Lyndon, it was like, Lyndon's delivered his album. I'm like, Lynn, this is, you know, we whittled it down from 70 songs he'd written. Wow. Half the songs he'd written, he never really completed properly. Yeah. Like what I say by properly, I mean from a, from a radio and successful standpoint, I thought that line wasn't quite right or that hook's not quite But the thing about him, he won't change anything. That was it. That's how I felt. That's how I wrote it. So I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, you got to respect that. Like, in, do I qualify? There's a line that says, 
um, you think I'm ugly as, ugly as sin yeah. or something yeah. or I may look like a king and I just yeah. didn't like that you line you think I'm ugly as sin, sin and he I may look like a king but, but he that doesn't have you the way I, I do. do yeah and I thought that line was a bit like a five year old writing something you know yeah. ugly as sin look like a king but you remembered it it works man cause right yeah. that's why it made it on the record yeah. right and that's why it was his first single but I had to tell him dude we haven't got it yet and it's the hardest thing to do. Serious. Yeah, I said we have. We just we need. We need. An, I didn't want to say we need a single. We need a single, dude. Yeah. You know, and he's like, oh, he looked at me like you're my you're you're my soldier in here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need any. But I said just go just go back, come back. You write. You know, because he can write. He came up with four songs, four songs in like a week, and we're playing them. Hundred heart attacks. I, I like that. Something else, and then I heard dinner dinner. Ma, 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 ma. Sexy Cinderella. Oh, it's and, almost midnight. Hey, I've been dying to kiss you under the moonlight. Sexy Cinderella. I can't even hit the notes. Oh, it's almost midnight. Hey. Right. Bro, so I'm, I'm sitting in my A&R chair, right? And I'm peeing my pants a bit going, oh, we got something. God, and that is such a tune. Yeah. And he, he, as he did it on a demo like an eight track or something like that he did mm. it's almost how we released it yeah. it didn't make he had a little echo going on oh and i in my head i'm thinking okay i know what's going to happen here mm. i'm going to get some a lot of specialists going to love this i gave it straight to choice fm straight away because yeah. they were all over it straight away that's their kind of tune yeah. but i thought radio one is they going to play that no, not really. <laughs> to remix it a bit, to remix it a bit, you know. And I didn't want to remix it because mm. I loved the original. The but the I had to remix it. Games the game, it? CJ McIntosh was my sympathetic remix. I used him for D'Angelo and Lyndon. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking more America. Okay. I said, this is a hit in America. 100%. This, this tune is a hit in America. But EMI was such a shit show at the time. The American company was a mess. The English company was going through lots of turmoil. We got a gold album. He sold 100,000 plus albums. And that's the first album I ever, ever executive produced, ever, you know, at A&R. So I was really proud of it. Mm. It was a real struggle. But after a couple of years, of, after five years of being at EMI, two years as a club promotions guy, three years doing A&R, the opportunity came to go on MTV for me. I was already on Radio 1. Yeah. And I felt... I don't want to play my own records because I'm the own, I'm the guy with a big show for yeah. R&B. So I kept giving them to other people first. Fair enough. Which doesn't help my artists. Yeah. Because if I if they if I didn't sign him, I'd be all over that. Yeah, of course, you'd be the <laughs> right? one spinning it. Yeah. So <laughs> I felt a little compromise. I didn't like it. Yeah. You know, Tong was doing his thing. He had FFRR and it was all right for. I just didn't. I wasn't comfortable. So the moment MTV came in with an offer to do a show. Mm. That was the end of my record company days. Are you serious? Yeah, I said, I had to, that, this is decision number four. Right. Yeah, I'm going on big decisions mm -hmm. to you, right? I didn't want anyone ever to accuse me ever of playing a record as a favour, as part of a job in mm. terms of, you know? Yeah. My label offered me, I was on 32 grand a year. That's all right. I was head of A&R, dude. Right. The guy next to me was on a hundred and something. No, and I used to give him tips on who to yeah, get to remix yeah. things. I didn't care. Yeah. Why but do you think that is though? Sorry to cut you. Because I didn't, I didn't, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't try. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get, I didn't go into 
to my boss and say, I want money. And I want, because then you've got to deliver hits. And if you've got to deliver hits, Pressure. you end up making throwaway music that means nothing. Look, we, I mentioned Sex Cinderella, whole, all of you started going into one because it means something mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. So it meant something that we made that. Lyndon, rest in peace. He's not here anymore. Bless his soul, man. But look, he left, his legacy is intact. That album you said is a great album. That's all that matters. Yeah. Mm. The bottom line is, for me, it became a, a battle of my conscience. Mm. It's like my dad, I told you, my dad never sold a policy he didn't have. Of course. I love music so much. I loved it when I was skint. Now that I was in a position to be a bit of a, listen, I had guys joining record labels because they started thinking, let's hire some black guys now. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's, a few, there's a few of us scattered around. Everyone yeah. wanted a bit of a black label sort of thing. These guys getting their MX cars, just taking girls out of lunch, just showing off, getting a company car. I was thinking, no, you ain't in it for the right, right reasons, reasons, dude. Of course. You know, this is, I'm in it trying to do the right thing. But I jumped at the chance to go to MTV only because I knew it was more important. Mm -hmm. that I was at MTV it was more important we used to argue all my mates at record labels Mickey D Matt Ross Lincoln everyone we don't get enough TV there was a chart show which is one video show on telly on channel 4 where unless you're in the top 30 you ain't going to get played MTV weren't exactly doing their quota of our music yeah of course you had the box at the time, box. getting more people watching the box yeah, the than box MTV who <laughs> liked flat music, hip hop and R&B because you could pay for your tune yeah. by phoning up yeah. and you'd know in about four songs time you might see it. Yeah. And you, Buster Rhymes was born on the box. Mm. You know, A lot of people were born on A the box. A lot of people were born on the box. And I just thought... We need, we need a telly show. And I'd really... What, but the trick... The, the thing that most of you don't know about MTV, I actually went to an audition before they hired me a year. You know when Richard Blackwell got it, first appeared on MTV? Yeah. They were auditioning for what that. What that date thing? What's that date thing again? Um, you gas the ghost. No, just, just uh -uh. Select. He had, no. No. This is what people don't remember. Richard Blackwood had a show called Bass or something like that, right? I'll tell you what happened. I was working at the record label. I had a show on Radio 1. So I had a full-time job at the record label. I couldn't do MTV in my head. I couldn't do it, even if I got it. But I wanted to go and tell them what, what the fuck's wrong with them. <laughs> so I went up there and the guy's about to shoot me, you know, just there, just say some stuff, man, you know. Why don't you show more black videos? Is that what you said straight away, yeah? Straight away. Straight. Why don't you show more black videos? I don't understand. Why are we watching the box? You got, and why is your more show... Or some, I was just, I just wasn't because I knew I couldn't get it even if they offered it to me. I went, God looked at me and says, don't, didn't you want, didn't you want to do this? And I went, I didn't know what happened. Then I knew, I saw Richard Blackburn on telly. So obviously he was built for it. He was. <clears throat> so when I got a call, I got a call about a year and a half later. Um, I didn't even have an agent properly or anything like that. They said, um, oh, MTV want to see you. I said, what? They're going to have some models there, are they? Some models. They have some models um, it, it, auditioning. Then little skinny ass me comes along who's all about music and I ain't going to get it. So, you know, but the models, they're going to look real good, right? Yeah, yeah I'm MTV, ah. <laughs> right, which is how it was. Yeah, it bro. was like that. So it's, no, 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 I think they're really interested. I said, what? And then I found out there was a producer, a big time producer at Radio 1, never worked with her. I'd seen her before. But I never worked with her. 
she got a big job at MTV and they realised they really need, because the success of my show on Radio 1, she was like, you know, we need a show like this on. And I know the guy, he could do it. So she dropped my name without me. And then the guys doing the filming knew me, knew of me, of course, yeah. I went up there, so I had a cold, I had my coat on. And I can say this knowing this is true. I had a scarf, I think. I said, do you want to take it off? No. <laughs> Such a boss, <laughs> No, I'm sorry. When it comes to my music, mm. right? So I went, no. And then I noticed there's a black guy holding the camera this time. I'm like, I kind of bored a black guy. This is Sherwin Beckford, by the way. I'm like, I got a brother here. <laughs> so he's like, all right, just do a countdown or something, like to pretend you're doing a chart. And I really did a chart show on radio once, so it was easy for me. He said, you're right. I said, yeah, I've got a cold, man, but, you know. I said, uh, Black Street, in at number 10, blah, 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 blah. All right? And then I went. As I went, this guy, Maxwell here, coming out of the dressing room, about to go and do his audition. <laughs> what, Maxwell, the so, Maxwell? He looked no, like, like no. Had he had a, he had a oh, Maxwell yeah, yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple like of Maxwell, other guys yeah. waiting, so I thought, see? They're just trying to dupe me. They're gonna eat, one of these are going to get it, right? Because MTV at that time, I saw an interview that has stayed with me forever. Forever. I'll never forget it. It was the Fugees. And the Fugees were my group, mm. right? Before the Fugees was the rest of development. That was Jesus, my group before then. The Fugees, a couple of moments from their first album, unbelievable. Then they came out with the score, mm. right? And the score, every, you know, unbelievable. So this girl is interviewing the Fugees, a VJ, yeah? And all VJs, they all stand up. Mm. No one was, very few people were sitting down on MTV. Everyone liked to present standing up. And, just moving around sorry like they're doing something chair. yeah but this girl was glamorous she was nice so she's in the fugies first question pras hey you found a group right yeah well you know clef's my cousin and you know i go college with lauren mm. and i introduced lauren to clef and we got together and with the fugies yeah why clef you are the genius of the group right well Haitian, Haitian nation or something like that. He'd go, yeah. Ask him some genius question. Goes to my queen, yeah? My queen, Lauren Hill. Oh, boogie. All right? <laughs> Lauren, I like your shoes. Boom. <gasps> Whoa. So I'm watching this. Maybe I took it, maybe, oh I, maybe I took it too, maybe I just took it to heart too much. But, and it's not her fault. She's been pop, isn't she? Mm. But to me, I could see Right through Lauren there. Okay, close to genius. Pra started the group. She likes my shoes. No, I'm the best singer, rapper, female of my generation. That's what you're seeing here. Say something. Yeah. About, Give me some props or something. Say something yeah. about why, how come you sound so different? Even if you're pop and you don't get it, you don't, you do something about, you say something. Yeah. That was Compliment the shoes. The music that was the shoes. Yeah. And I thought that's the problem with MTV as far as I'm concerned, right? So when I got the show, I demanded to see the screen test. I said, let me see the screen test. They wouldn't show it to me. Because they knew it was toilet. <laughs> it was rubbish. <laughs> so we started the show and Sherwin became one of my best friends. The, you know, Sherwin and me, he was from Birmingham. He's a little bit younger than me, but same sort of generation. We just yeah. got on and I said, look, I'll do the show on a few conditions. I knew, I knew thank God, that I was old enough to sort this out. Because if I was 21, I wouldn't have said these things. I said... Like, we'll name the show. 
I don't want to be called ever a VJ. <laughs> I want to be seated. Yeah. And, and they said, yeah. And I want it to be filmed quite, you know, different. Great. Sherwin, Sherwin was with me all the way. He agreed anyway. And so the first time we filmed it, I hated it. Obviously, I watched it and I hated it. You know, watching yourself on telly, yeah. I was like... But the beautiful thing is I was the only one on camera. So no one ever had anyone to compare with me yeah, kind of, of thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, I'm on camera. No, people thought I was six foot three. Yeah, sitting on that sofa like a I'm boss. I'm sitting on the sofa, you know what I mean? You've got to own it. In in that. I realised also that no one wants to see a nervous looking guy on telly. No one wants to spend, no one likes, you don't pay money to go and see a concert and you're, the person you're paying to see looks nervous. You want mm. to see someone who looks like they're in control. And so I, you know, remember, I'd already hit 30 when I joined MTV. A lot of people don't know that. Because I've got this sort of baby sort of face, I'm surprised my nickname was never Babyface Nelson. <laughs> right? But no, because when I joined, I was the oldest presenter, I believe, or the second oldest presenter on MTV when I joined. And I'm talking about people who've been there for years. Yeah. So the perception was probably I was 23 or 24, maybe mm. 25. I was really 30. So I had this sort of knowledge in my head about stuff which made me comfortable talking about my music, yeah, exactly. which made me made look like I had a bit of an authority, yeah. but, you know, and that, I think that came through. Then all of a sudden I'm talking and I'm saying to Sherwin, dude, I don't like the camera on me all the time. Like, can't we, because I do radio and people yeah. know my voice, why don't we just move the camera around? So they start doing these moves off my face. Yeah, mad panning. Yeah, <laughs> mad panning. And then we'd hung, then I started bringing an item of clothing in from home, like a shirt and just hang it. And everyone's like, what's the shirt about? There's always something in the background. Just so in. that you're not watching me, but you could always hear me talking. Yeah, Cause I'm, yeah. I was talking about, it wasn't all just about new stuff. It was also about, do you remember what happened to, and then we'll show some Bobby Brown, mm. you know, and it was great seeing a throwback cut video. Cause nine yeah. out of 10, you never saw that video yeah, in your life. True. So I knew what we were doing. We got the news from America, yeah. which was unbelievable. We never had no, we, the internet just started kicking in. ADSL, man, that dial-up shit. <laughs> and it, yeah, but it's about having, and I had a great team with me. They were so good. And you know, it was magic, mate. I'm telling you, it, I knew what was going on. I knew, I said, I said, after the first few shows, I said, I'll bet you any money, everyone who's got MTV, first of all, I started with black. Anyone black with MTV is going to be watching this show. They have to. They have to because there's no, there's no show like this. And then anyone who likes hip hop or R&B will probably watch this show. And that's when I think a wave of Asian kids started really feeling confident uh, they, when we did the parties and they all come out and, white, and we had a great mix of people at our parties, white, black, Asian. You know what I mean? It was great. Yeah. But the funny thing is I went into MTV the next day and I said, well, before we started the show, I said, okay, you're giving me the show. Where are you going to advertise it? You're going to do billboards. I was naive. I thought it's like Channel 4. They're going to do big billboards. No. So well, where are you going to promote it? On, on, on the station, they said. I said, but no one I know watches your station. Only a few people watch your station because you don't play our music. Yeah, it's the truth. So how are people going to know? Forgetting that whole thing of actually convert them, Trev, some of them. But so I said, we need to do something, you know. And the one thing I do a lot of is clubs. And I know that if I do a party, I will print 10 times as many flyers as people can fit in a club. So if the club holds a thousand people, I'm doing 10,000 flyers minimum. Yeah. Why don't we do parties, I said. Mm and do flyers and make, have to show times on the flyers and, cause people collect flyers if you make them collectible enough. Yeah. And so it's a constant reminder that, but I was gonna say, 
Sundays, two to whatever. Wednesdays, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I said, oh, you should work in marketing. <laughs> All four of them sitting there getting paid, not one of them having any brain time. I said... It's common sense. I, I think we've all worked in... I think, you know, my scene, that's what we do. We just... You have to as you're not eating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hustle and, hard. Man. And so the parties were born. And they got so much kudos from the parties and everything was great and it went on. We did... Well, the lick parties, right? Yeah. And you used to show the footage of them on the lick Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Like, you listen. know. You know what we were doing. You know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> parties so, were so lit, made them legendary. I, was, yeah. I never, we, I never we, had the pleasure of attending. We made them legendary. <laughs> we made them legendary for people who were like 13, 14, 15 watching going, me. I want yeah. to go to one of yeah. those parties. I think my sister might lie to me a couple of times yeah. she went, but she never well, that, really. That's that, how good they were. But yeah, but that was the idea. You know, and you know, you film people and it's like reality telly, isn't it? It's like you're filming people looking fly, looking good, yeah. having a great time. And you're thinking, where is this? Yeah. Because where yeah. I am, it's moody. Yeah. It ain't like that. Yeah. And then <laughs> those people that were at the party know they're going to be on TV. So yeah. they're going to then They're going to be on TV. Yeah. We, yeah. Filmed, we filmed 10 times as many as we showed. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and, and it was all working. And I knew, I knew the effect it was having. I really did. It was great. And um, I had the best party of all time in in Dublin after an MTV Awards. It was the best I, I don't I don't think anyone will ever experience what I experienced that day. Yeah. Because we had all the Americans over and they all performed for nothing. That's life. At my, at, all we, we had the honeys. Do you remember that group, the yeah, honeys? Yeah, yeah, of course. We booked the honeys. They were the only group we booked. Right? We had one, the honeys doing a PA at the I party. The party honeys. was sold out. We had five, there were five other parties in Dublin that night. There's an official MTV party. Yeah. The word got out. There was posters around town. I'm doing a lick party. Puffy's in town. So Puffy comes. Jeez. Puffy take comes. Take Check this out. I'm not, I, I'm, I, I've, I'll bring you the DVD one day and you look and look at it. It's, it's mad. I want to see that. I have not put it up online or anything, but I've got a full DVD of this party perfectly filmed. So Puffy comes up. Everyone's happy. I think it was at that point, 1999, when Hip hop, R and B was truly peeping, yeah. peaking well, because MTV Awards, and the, I'll go through it. You'll crack up. So Puffy comes on. He's not stupid. He's touring in Dublin um, in about three months' time. It's a Dublin venue. It's Ram, <laughs> right? These kids pay fifteen euro to get in, right, or something like that, or maybe less, maybe twelve. So he looks at me. He says, "You got my money, my problem." So, yep. So I'm on the decks. And I'm just like, ah! Everyone's like, what? So Puffy's like, Puffy does my money, my problems. To the, to, off vinyl, I'm playing vinyl. Mariah comes in. Mariah. Mariah, Mariah then does Heartbreaker. This is no word of a lie. I am not. it is. 99, that's when it dropped. 99, she does Heartbreaker, right? Kills it, kills it, kills it. Mary comes in. Oh. How much for this DVD, sucker? Mary, Mary then I'll does. I'll buy it off you, man. Mary does real love. Ooh. I ain't done yet. Missy comes in. Oh. You're lying. Missy does. She's a bitch. Missy's so shy. She wouldn't perform on stage. She jumped in the crowd and did. She's a bitch, right? Wow. TQ had his one hit, West Side. Of course, yeah. TQ was there. The TQ was in. He does the West Side. Bobby and Whitney. I'm not lying. Together, Fuck together, no wait, together, no walked on stage. I'm standing behind the decks, looking at Dodge, going, Dodge, is this happening? <laughs> right? <laughs> Bobby <laughs> Whitney, Bobby Bobby Whitney yeah. wouldn't sing. They wouldn't sing anything. Yeah. I think yeah. there was a bit, but they wouldn't yeah, sing anything. Yeah, 
And then my boy Lyndon was there. So Lyndon does Sexy Cinderella. Come on, shut it down. And then the honeys had to do this track after all that. <laughs> but it's not the point. I stood there and I said, this is 1999. This Prince is predicted. This. this is one year. This is one year after I've joined MTV. I joined in 88. So this is 18, 18 months. These people have done all this for nothing. They all came on and performed for nothing at our party. I sat down when everyone had gone. I sat down next to Dodge. And I honestly, I honestly said this to him. I said, Dodge, I ain't never going to DJ at a party again. That is the last time. That's how I want it to go. That's how I want to go out. That is it. <laughs> I'm, no, I meant it. He looked yeah. at me. He said, you shut up. I said, no, bruv, listen. What happened? It's it's, that, that is it. It's yeah. That is what you saw there. It's like some sort of mad affirmation. They've come to, to our, That's crazy. our land. Yeah. They wouldn't do that in America together. No they don't like Not each way. other. <laughs> These people don't. They were beefing publicly mm. you know talking about Whitney in the same place as Mariah you know yeah, of course and Mary Mary yeah. Whitney and Mariah yeah. in the Ooh. same place right but they were all loving it and and I and I said and that's the first time in my whole career I will tell you now that I actually looked in the mirror and smiled and said yeah bruv <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 you've yeah. done something. You've done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna find it and give it. To I, I need to you. see this, man. No, I'd love one of you lot to upload it without saying it's me. Yeah, yeah. Saying it that because I, 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 I've got loads of, I've got loads of stuff like that. We'll talk off air, Trevor. But that was, no, but that, no, but that was a moment. That was a real moment. But a really bad moment happened um, a few years later. So the lick parties were going really well. MTV decided we want to take them off you. Because we were running them. Yeah. But they, they, ain't pay, they ain't paying me loads of money to do the show, so I'm, I'm earning money the way I always earn money, yeah, which is course. doing parties, you know. Yeah. And no one ever begrudges you getting paid if you give them a good time. Yeah. People don't. People mm. begrudge you if you're getting paid and they don't have a good time. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just herding them into any old place, you know. But I, I, I won't money, do that. Yeah. I always, I pride myself on not being like that. So, you know, but the MTV took it over and I said, okay. They don't really get our culture mm. and they don't realise the negative side of the culture. And the thing that I'm saying is whenever I do something, I think of the very worst and I hope for the best. Of course. Mm. But if you put everything in place, the worst never tends to happen. Mm. So one time I did a party in Bournemouth. The first time they, they took over the parties. When I got to the venue, it was about quarter to 12. There's no one outside. I said, what they took over like the flag no, the running the running the running no the running because we by this time it was like as soon as we announced it yeah don't need no flags it was gone set, you know yeah. so we did this is the midweek in Bournemouth there's still a thousand people in there I went downstairs everyone was in I said boy how did they get in so quick because we had a rigid process with our people you know you get to a little party early because you're going to get searched properly yeah and everyone liked to see that yeah they obviously didn't search anyone someone got shot dead that night I've oh, never, uh, ever, you know. ever had an incident at a lit party. That night, someone got shot because someone, I think, went back to their car. Now, people drove in from everywhere. They weren't yeah, former people. And the guy obviously thought, they ain't searching people. I'll go back to my car and he, he shot some guy. And, I, and, and my face was all over the Southwest papers. It was all about me, you know. And wow. I, was on a, I was on a list along with So Solid that year. We know when So Solid were banned. Yeah, yeah. I was on the same list. Any gig I did, police turned up in droves or tried to shut it down or whatever. I couldn't even do unis. I couldn't do unis on campus. 
they pre- I'd get booked and then the, the, the organiser would call me and say, the uni's cancelled, we're going to have to cancel your trev because we've got to pay for police and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you know. That's this so is, fucked up. So they fucked is, your shit up. Well, this really? is, no, but I can't blame them. Yeah. They know no better, but I'm saying it's not a coincidence, right? Mm. It's, it's like, that's why I say you've got to control the controllables. The moment you get a chance in life, you have to control the controllables. <laughs> Or else, you know, you'll always be, oh, I wonder what. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And that, so that was the darkest, darkest, darkest moment of my career because that boy's family were, were, were I, didn't, I was told don't comment. I, I, they had nothing to do with me. Yeah, of course. I wasn't even on the decks at the time. We just heard, cut, cut, you know, we heard something. And next minute, Rachel, my co-promoter, got this guy's head in her lap, you know, just trying to, Shit. it was a horrible thing. And, I, you know, a lot came my way, but I just, I just kept quiet, you know, and I didn't really, I, I didn't feel responsible. Do you get what I mean? But well, yeah, I, but yet, yeah, but yeah. But you feel the, but yet, the, it, I felt I should be, but I, I couldn't, it was. A- Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm my control. It was just something that could have happened anyway. Yeah. Anyway. It really changed me a lot. So we stopped the lick parties. We stopped them a little bit after that. We did one for the tsunami appeal, Mm -hmm. but we stopped them because there's no way. I mean, that was a cash cow for me if I wanted it to be forever, Mm -hmm. but I refused. There's a whole generation like you lot, never been. Yeah, I would bad. Who would love me to throw one, but I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't, not because of what happened, but I think, I, I believe in shutting nights down. I believe in shutting. How many times have you been somewhere and you went until it was rubbish? Quite a few places. That's so right. true, isn't it? Now, if they were shut down in their prime, you'd never be able to say it got rubbish. It's true. You'd just go, oh, man. Remember that place? Yeah. That's what and, we're saying. Forever. Right you could be 70 years old. It's true. You two could be sitting down in a room when you're 70 years old and go, remember when we used to go? It's true. And that's what I've got with the lick, luckily. So I'll never, ever do another one. Yeah. And I'll never, you know, just, you, you've got to know when to... You gotta know when to leave somewhere, you know, and leave something yes. alone, you know. So this is mad. How did you come up with the lick? The name. Right, that was a good. That 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 was. <laughs> there was. Um, there was. It was a saying. It was a small saying mm. at the time. It never got as rabid as some of the other sayings. We you it. see something like lit now, yeah. the yeah. way people say yeah, lit. It, 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 it never got to that point though. It, 
People, you'd hear it a couple of times. Yeah, my older cousins used to But it was never, yeah. it was never epidemic, mm. like lit. Or blood, Things, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, never like that. So, and um, I always liked it. I always liked Wait, it. That tune is the lit. There, there was a guy, there was a guy, I think there was a guy called Mark Tonderwright who actually said it or used it in a programme, a late night BBC thing once. I knew Mark. Mark was a Radio 1 DJ before me. We never knew each other, knew each other, but I knew of him. And um, that's the only time I'd ever heard it used outside of a couple of my friends. Now, the thing I liked about the word was that if you never heard it used in that context, you totally understood. So people used to say, no, but people would say, come on college and go, what'd you do at the weekend? Oh man, just went, I went to see Arsenal play rubbish, you know? And then what'd you do, what'd you, what'd you do, Bex? Went to re- I went to this party. Oh man, this party was a lick. <laughs> now, even yeah. if, even if four people had never heard anyone say that, they knew. It's true. They knew the way you said it, what it meant, yeah. and also the connotations of the yeah. lick. It's very sexy. It's very sexy. It's very sexy. And it's very black, but it's also everyone will get it. And that was it. You know my biggest mistake? I never owned it. Never trademarked it. MTV. Once you do something on MTV, they own everything. I never owned it. So I had to beg. I went up to see the MD and I remember going up to him and I sat him down and I said, and I, I'm not a big entrepreneur, right? But I know when I'm onto a good thing. I said, <laughs> I said, mate, I said, mate, let me say something to you. He, he was a Dutch guy. I said, and all he said is, yeah, it's a nice watch. And he's, he's a bit shallow. And he said, um, I said, I've never, ever worked with a brand. And, you know, that wasn't even a term being used much or with anything as hot as this. This is, I, honestly, mate, this is the most intact thing I've ever been associated with. And, and I don't, I know people see it as me, but they do see it as theirs. You know, you know what I mean? Because I know everyone's watching it every week and they see it as I'm just the guy bringing it to them, but it's theirs. It's, it's our music. So, and I said, on my scene, no one is ever bigger than the artist. It's not like the house scene. Mm where you got DJs bigger than artists. Of course. Because the artists are quite invisible. You ain't bigger than R. Kelly. You ain't bigger than Usher. You ain't bigger than Mary J. You ain't bigger than Fuji. You're just the messenger, right? And he went, right, what's your point? And I said, well, and we go out to loads of countries, right? Or I get loads of letters every week. Letters, people writing letters from... I got people writing from Africa saying, 30 of us all meet together at my friend's house five miles away he's the only one with satellite to watch you on a Wednesday night I believe that in Paris I got it from Paris I got New Zealand I got all over the world outside North America because we weren't shown in America we still thought we did a better show than they did but we weren't shown in there yeah, we couldn't did they have a lick version in America no they had their own they just yeah. that's way didn't they oh, that's yeah, way yeah. so um, and he, I was like he says, I said we could do merch we could do anything here we could do I could have done beats before beats you know what yeah, I mean yeah. you, know, you, know, you know what I mean it was but I didn't want to do all that. I just wanted to see what he thought. And he just shut it down. He shut it down completely. And I couldn't do anything with it. I spent ages trying to work out how I could use that brand, obviously, and control it, because I wouldn't want them to control it, with cool items or cool things, you know, turntable stuff, you know, stylus holders, or just cool shit. Things that you need, a little hat, a little beanie with little, you know, just cool stuff. Not trying to change the world. Yeah, yeah. Got shut down and I never owned the name. Never owned it. I owned the name, I think Lick Parties I could own. Yeah. 
But I don't agree I should ever do a lick party unless it's shown on MTV, mm. unless I'm doing a show on MTV at the time, yeah. and unless all the things, ingredients are right, and they're not, so I'm never going to do it again, ever. Next year will be 20 years though, right? 98. It was, it was not, I was there 98, I was there for 12 years. Yeah. I did, I, it was the longest running show on MTV at the time. Well, it was one of the best, to be honest, that's the only show I used to watch, man. I think they should have kept a version of it and let some new dudes, do it because isn't it funny, isn't it funny, the moment it comes off air, the British scene is that it's biggest. Yeah, it's fucked up. Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. It's biggest when we could have just had British stars and, you know, all them kids wanted to, to be on there and it would have been a great, Opportunity, yeah, it was an aspirational thing. Yeah, exactly. It could have become like the 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 urban Jules Holland. So yeah, so I had I had all I remember is in terms of the 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 more recent scene, it was Kano putting K on, was great. Dizzy, we we you know Dizzy already had Boy in the Corner out, and you know again because it didn't fit my on radio, I I couldn't really play much Dizzy. I think I played. Fix up, look sharp. The rest of the stuff was mental. You know what I mean? To play an R&B show. It wasn't what you... But Zane, Zane obviously big him up. But we had him on and he, he was one of them guys who said, yes, bruv, about time, yeah. <laughs> Before the interview, he was like, yeah. I chipped when he was a real ute and I said, he, and I tinchy. And we had a few, you know, and it was nice. It was yeah. nice, but that should have continued. You know, today it should be Stormzy. It should be all these guys. They should be getting the show they really want to be on. Yeah rather than always having to be on something where you've got to say, yeah, by the way, I'm a grime MC and I'm Stormzy or I'm yeah. some, you know, always having to explain yourself. There should be that show where you've actually got a big audience and it's around the world and you're, and you're on because you're hot. You know what I mean? End that of story. Is, that is the perfect segue, actually, because that kind of brings us up to the present day and, and we are actually recording this episode on the same day as the Brits. Yeah. Uh, at which Stormzy reportedly... Uh, well, you know, he's obviously already been nominated. I don't know if he's won anything, but he's been nominated. He's come out and performed with Ed Sheeran reportedly. Um, what, what, so what's your take on Grimes' inclusion at the Brits? Do you do you think that it is inclusion to um, prevent? Uh, backlash or do you think that it's okay. genuine recognition of the genre acknowledgement of the success the the hard work the yeah the acknowledgement from everywhere else at, at whose expense Stormzy and Kano and Skepta in there who who are the three British males left out. we're talking about best British male right you yeah. have to ask yourself who are the three British males Whose spot they're taking. I can't think of one. Right. So they're there. They're justifiably there. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the answer to your question in a nutshell. Mm. I've been to the Brits possibly 15 to 20 times yeah. in my capacity as either, uh, uh, you know, working for a label or radio or MTV or whatever. I always got invited or my company bought, you know, tickets. And <laughs> can you imagine what it's like? being Brits year in year out it's, mm. it's like being invited to the smash hits poll winners party for adults yeah, <laughs> yeah. right for me but it was a it was a chance also to be seen and network with a lot of other execs from other labels because you've got to there's parts you've got to play if you're going to survive in this game you've sometimes just got to be seen mm -hmm. and, and that's the biggest night of the year for all the execs yeah. and to be honest when everyone's performing everyone's just chatting because <laughs> that's the only time they all get together but they created an Urban Award. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, because I presented 
I gave it to Miss Dynamite, I think, one year. I think for, I think they might have had it for two years, if I'm right. not mistaken. I think Dynamite got it one year, maybe Lamar one year. I can't remember. And then they scrapped it. Wow. Um, there's two ways of looking at it. Should we have one back or not at the Brits? Because this is the problem when you do that. Jay-Z's always said the same thing. If you look at the, if you look at the Grammys this year, yeah. Beyonce won two, I think. One for best video and one for urban album or something. Yeah. And Adele came up and said, "Look, what you did with that album, blah 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 blah, is amazing." Blah, blah, blah. It was a sick speech. I loved it. And she said, "You know, and for my black friends and some people had a problem with that. I didn't have no problem with that. I thought from, that was, from, yeah. From She's from Tottenham. Yeah, she come on, man. <laughs> She's from Tottenham. You know. So um, Beyonce wants to win best album. She doesn't want to win best urban album." And then you'd have a situation where if you had an urban category at the Brits, then it'd be Skeptikano and all of them fight, Storms are fighting, out, yeah, for the fighting out for, for a Brit that categorises them, kind yeah. of. Not makes them best male, makes them best male in a little category, in a smaller yeah. category. And it creates that crabs in the battle yeah. effect as so, well. So I think it was good. I think it was healthy and I think it was justified. Skepta won a Mercury. Kano made his best album since his debut. And skipped one enemy as well last week. And an enemy, of course, of course. And uh, sorry, who else is in it? Again, Stormzy's lighting up. Yeah, come on, Stormzy, Stormzy, Stormzy doesn't need an award, but <laughs> if you give him one, great. Yeah, he's and got a few gongs. You know, well. rag and bone. Various mobiles, BETs. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's there, and I think. Great award. Great GRM. I, I don't think Stormzy's one of them here today, gone tomorrow artists either. You know, no, I, I think there's there's, there's there's a, he's got a little bit more about him than that. So. No, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's quite like the... Well, it is a little bit like the Oscars. Remember the year they gave it to a load of black people? Halle Berry for some and Denzel. Reason. Yeah, <laughs> Halle Berry and Denzel. And, Denzel's, and Denzel won it for playing and, one and of his most know. negative characters Dreaming of all. Me. And yet Malcolm X, he didn't win it for something. But, but, you know, I was... I remember, I don't think he won it for Malcolm X the year because I think Tom Hanks won it. Maybe or did he or someone like that? Right. Someone, someone who beat him did something pr pretty special. So I'm not going to get hung up on that. I don't think the Brits was quite like the Oscars. I think the Oscars are a little shameful the way they did that. It's a bit obvious <laughs> the way they. It was a bit blatant and a yeah. bit bit of a reaction. That's showbiz. I do believe this is a sign of the times. I think it's a different era we're living in. And you know, Stormzy. You ask most kids, and um, they'll have an opinion on Stormzy. You know, you you know, Skepta is proven it he's stuck he's he's a vet mm -hmm. and he's peaking mm -hmm. commercially now yeah you know and and yeah and Kano for me is just an he's my favorite ever MC from the UK you know so I'm glad to see Kano up there so no I don't think it's tokenism I actually it'd be interesting to see what happens next year I look if there were two of them we'd be over the moon right Three smacks of, there's an agenda going on here, guys. You know, Riley was there as well. I don't know if he was nominated. But, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't really. And you know what? I'm not, I don't really care. I was going to say, from I a don't really care. From a completely different perspective, do you think that it's even very important for um, Grime to be acknowledged at the Brits? I No, I think, I, no, because I mean. I don't think, I personally don't think people. I personally, a lot of people say it's a, it's a colour thing. Mm. And with the Brits, mm. I personally don't because Tiny Tempers won, 
Um, yeah, yeah. And, and basically, I think it's just so much more an industry thing. You have to, you, you, you have to be the epitome of mainstream music and conform uh, so uh, much to that kind of daytime formula. Exactly. It's, it's, you are so visible that by default, so you're just the most successful in a thing. Have you compromised your in, art in form by being nominated? Have you compromised to get there? Have you had to compromise? And to what get the great there? thing is that what none I, of these are the aforementioned artists like Skepta, Stormzy, Volcano have. have. None exactly. Have. That's my which point. Is good. Yeah, which so is that's why, why I say I don't care. I think the nomination will suffice. Yeah. Because it's acknowledgement of your existence, of your contribution. I don't always think winning is everything, you know. I mean, it's, no, me of neither. course, winning is nice, but you know, we've got the mobile walls. Don't let, don't get me started, you know. Yeah, please don't get. Me you know, started. I've got four of them, and <laughs> you know, in a category that I frankly could have won every year just because I was the biggest radio DJ in the country. I mean, so I used to plead with with Kenya King, scrap that award, please. It's embarrassing to me. Hmm. You know, honestly, I don't want to be Ant and Deck. Do you get what I'm saying? What's yeah. the point of that? Yeah, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I think awards are really, I've got a ton of awards. I ain't lying. And they're in my house somewhere, right? I've just moved, so they're not out anywhere. <laughs> but it's nice to get acknowledged. It yeah. really is. And I ain't going to lie. If you're an artist, you really, you're, it's the most insecure business you could ever be in, being an artist. It's, it's you know, when you put a tune out, you hope people like it. You know, you're telling everyone it's the shit, but you hope people like Absolutely. it. And if they don't like it, it's like saying, I don't like your mum, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, no, but you get what I mean? It, yeah, it is yeah, personal. Yeah. It is yeah. personal. So getting, getting something extreme as an award must be fantastic, Bex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just ask, um, oh, you the privilege of meeting like, loads of like, celebrities like influential people yeah. who's been your favourite to interview on I've watched your your lick with Aaliyah you tell me because if you've watched it I don't it's hard for me to keep there's saying too many man the Aaliyah one there's a weird but story to catch that but yeah, so cool. yeah I, well, smooth, man. it was hard to yeah. tell when you were really I know I was never I, 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 so alright do, do you want the cool, truth mate. do you want the truth 9 out of 10 when I knew I had an interview to do I did not enjoy my day worrying from waking up Mm. I'm somebody, I will throw a party and you know what I'm praying for? Four o'clock. <laughs> Finish time. You know, I might enjoy playing the music. I might enjoy seeing everyone having a good time, but really and truly, I want four o'clock to come. I want to know it was good. Yeah, yeah it was. That's, yeah, yeah. It's the promoter in me. Yeah. It's the guy, you know, it's the, it, I just want everyone to have had a good time. When people complain, we answer them, you know, we try. So when, when, when I know I've got Mariah Carey in the morning, who, nice. who is, of all of them, the one that gets me sort of, and I've interviewed her a lot, yeah. right? But she gets me sort of, I know it's going to be a day. We got, it's Mariah day, yeah. yeah? So you just want to kind of get to the end of the day and get what's good. Not that, Mariah, if you're listening, it ain't like that. I'm just saying. Mariah's a big fan of GRS. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you know, and so Aaliyah, for example, that's the day I was looking forward to, right? Because I met her only, I think, three times in my life, right? But the first time she was actually 15 when she first, first came out, out first came out yeah she came, i remember her coming in in a tommy hill figure tracksuit mm -hmm. thing oh, little, little, girl, little tiny girl nice, little, little tiny girl because there was three of them at the time all young and amazing and i met all of them monica yeah. Ooh, was Dan. amazing brandy. brandy was actually my favorite Don't just the, the voice 
She was endorsed by Tommy, I think. Mm. She had she she was dressed like a boy, but she's beautiful. Yeah. And she was so and the one thing they were all all of them were so measured in the way they spoke for teenagers. I knew they obviously went through training, unlike a lot of us lot over here, who when you're you know, when you're an artist and you make it, you're immediately thrown into the mire and you don't go to finishing school so much, you know. <laughs> they all did that. The Americans don't mess about. Yeah. I'm talking to Aaliyah at 14, 15, she's talking like she's 29. Mm. And I found it with all three of them. Yeah. That tradition, yes, but, age old, isn't it? Motown yeah. used to get sent Absolutely. And, and if you want to win, you've got to do that. And Puffy was very much like that. And a lot of them guys were like that. But when, the one you're talking about, Bex, the one when she, um, it, was, it was months before she died, actually. Um, I remember she, was, she, she had all those people that died on that plane were with her. They went everywhere with her. They were all going somewhere. I can't remember, but they were all sitting cross-legged. Like Barbados. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, that's when she from, died. From but Barbados, before yeah. that, seen, before Rock the Boat, yeah. I think the album, it was, I was interviewing her based on this album that she was, you know, and they were all the coolest looking people she rolled with. They were all cross-legged, waiting, you know, watching us being, doing this interview. And I'm interviewing her and I'm looking at her and I'm just going, damn, you're beautiful and, I, and I'm not that's in my head this has yeah, to happen yeah. sometimes yeah, you know what oh, I mean yeah of course but I'm talking to her I'm saying no you're just a beautiful spirit just talking to you she was so sweet and lovely and we're literally face to face if you remember we're at a table yeah and we're just like we're just talking to each other and she said man you know afterwards she goes I'm going to be in Paris I'm doing a show you want to come to the show and rah 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 and I went oh, I was so busy at the time I couldn't go to the show I was just so busy I had probably gigs or something, you know, couldn't go to show. And that's the last time I saw her. Oh, and it crushes me even yeah. saying it because, because it, it's like, you just think you're going to see her again and again and again. And the thing I liked about her, she didn't, she wasn't like, you see that Rihanna, with the world we live in with Rihanna. And I love Rihanna, right? I'm just saying a diss on her. It's just the world we live in. She's never stopped releasing records. Aaliyah was like, album four-year break mm. she was doing a Sade which is what I loved about her she was just like taking her time she was the girl that was going to be there at the very end of course that she she was timing her she can do a bit of acting do a bit of this she shit. was before Beyonce a lot of people don't realize that like, like for well, me I, <laughs> mate I could <laughs> I, I, I don't want to sound like name drop name drop but all of these people you're mentioning yeah but I, Beyonce people say to me you met Beyonce Oh man, I, I couldn't be in a room without same room as Beyonce without just faint. I said, mate, you could. I said, yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce, you could. I've seen Beyonce and them girls tuck away a KFC bucket, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? When they first come over, they were the funniest, yeah, loveliest girls. The yeah, the very first. Yeah, a couple of times. Yes. They did parties for me, they did carnival, they did they were just real churchy, homely girls. Yeah, definitely from, from the Houston. Bible, from Houston and Beyonce was I always bonded with Kelly. Kelly was my Kelly girl. was my girl. She Kelly! Was, Kelly's got so much She's got so much personality. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's come and done shows with me. She's done, she co-hosted The Breakfast Show one extra for a week with me, you know. She's really funny. Beyonce was always, 
Beyonce yeah. in, in her own, but she was lovely. She was just, I saw Beyonce as a really good church girl who just lived to perform. Mm-hmm. And she just lived to do what she does. And then Dangerously in Love came out. Yeah, and, and, but I never, but people always say, didn't you fancy her? She was always a little girl. To me, you don't fancy someone you, you just you watch grow up. 16, 17, Yeah, you don't, you don't. And I said, no, I don't see her as, I see her as a performer. Beyonce will come on and I, we did a couple of tours where I brought them on. Like they were in Dublin and there was one they were at Finsbury Park and I brought them on. And Beyonce, I used to say, she's just Tina Turner, man. When she walks, she does a Tina Turner walk strut, and she yeah. just performs. And that is not the girl you know off stage is not the girl, trust me. She turns into a beast and she can, you know, and you know that. You, I look at Beyonce, I look at Rihanna, and I look at Rihanna and I say, Rihanna would, Beyonce wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the difference between them. Rihanna's about it, like. <laughs> no, and I mean, that's, without, that's, with, that's with them being on stage, you're looking at them and you're saying, yeah, everyone, oh, I meet so many guys who crush on Beyonce all the time. And I say, she's not, she's not, that's not what she's, a, she's not like that. Yeah. I don't know how many boyfriends Beyonce's had before Jay-Z. I reckon one. It was so one. one. Yeah, it was one. I read a little article yeah. and he's heartbroken at the moment. He's a chef in New York or something. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. So, I, I, you know, I think she's amazing. You know what I mean? And I think, the thing I like about it, she don't do interviews. Yeah. Didn't Beyonce did, have a fling we, with someone... That's all hearsay, bruv. It's all hearsay. Mar- is it, am I saying it's Marcus Houston? I don't know. Yeah. I don't Did know. I don't know. I re- we won't know, I heard though, about will we? That because Hove dropped a few subliminals yeah. in, 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 I think it was the 06 time, and if it's meant right. to be, then it'll be in... Blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost one, and Lost one. He lost one's my it. tune, man. I so love that tune. Yeah. Yeah. People yes. don't understand about that tune. I spoke again, yo. They about that tune. That tune. Oh, you play music. You play music on this podcast. You got to pay, ain't you? but we do do a segment called Track of the Week okay. that Rebecca Lost points. ones, man. Yeah. Yeah, I read a lot into that tune. I read a lot into that tune. That's what it is, because obviously I'm a lyricist, yeah. man, so I'm listening to it and it's like, if it's meant to That's be, the then it will be. The, the, the yeah. kingdom come, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's um, two tunes on there I really yeah. like, like there's Lost Ones and another one, like, but yeah. The one with John Legend. I can't remember what it's called. What's it called? I and, know some places mm-hmm. we can go. There's a couple that's of, a, yeah. That, that album that is mad, yeah. A lot, yeah. You know, that's his least favourite album out of all his albums. I don't understand why. He's done a little collection. Well, show me what you got on that. Show me what you got. And that video of him driving around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when he went he for the bottle of Ace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. He swapped yeah. the bottle of Ace for the crystal, um, crystal. He dashed Crystal and went to the Ace. Yeah, that, that was the year. hero. Yeah, when he yeah. said Crystal was racist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Wasted on that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. That, oh yeah. man, that, that was a good Jay. Yeah, so back to the Beyonce thing. Yeah, I don't know if it's true or not, but like Jay spoke spoken about whether it's him just doing Jay and like third person speaking. Yeah. But, he talks a lot of deep shit on that song and I think it is about her because he talks about his nephew that he's bought the car for and yeah, dies yeah, and talks about Dame and all of that. Yeah. So I think it is... Yeah, you do... wouldn't be part... You wouldn't um, rap a partly truthful song. I just remembered your question. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Who's the favourite interview person I interview? Yeah. There's two, right? All right? One, it will surprise you, Wyclef. Okay. That's not, that's not really a surprise. Blatantly the most honest guy... Just honest. Everyone was shirking about Fuji's getting back together, you know, blah, 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 blah. Wyclef, I remember he came to the lick and without her, obviously, you know, because I'd never done them as a group. Yeah. You know, I was lucky enough to meet them on radio as a group, but never on telly because I hadn't been on MTV yet. But then they split up. So I said, Sir Clef, what's going on? 
and he looked in the camera and said, Lauren, Lauren. I remember this. If you're out there, Lauren, call me. And I was like, damn. He, you know, because everyone was writing stuff in VAR. Everyone was writing about it. Yeah, speculation. And he just went straight there and he's, and he's just basically saying, I want this shit to happen. It's Lauren. Lauren don't want it to happen. Of course, Pras wants it to happen. Because Pras ain't doing nothing. Yeah. But I want, I want it to happen, you know, and... Um, he was he's very very honest and I really love the guy you know because of his brutal honesty and I've, and he's a real proper I think he's one of them guys who looks at him and goes I'm really talented um, I probably wouldn't have amounted to nothing unless I was part of the Fugees and I had this woman Lauren as well you know yeah it was very symbiotic the, I think the, the, the Fugees exactly, their, exactly. The, the genius being pulled they all kind of helped each other because didn't didn't he produce m most of the score Yes, he so was. He, he he was the guy. He was the. Jerry Wonder, yeah, right? he, he yeah. didn't need technically to, to. He didn't need to do anything else. And he bust probably. Destiny's Child with that. Yeah, yeah. He well. saved. He, right. he yeah, actually. Forget the that. Reach I, was bigger than. I would no, say. No, no, I would no. say. I would say he he helped make sure they stayed on Sony Records because that album didn't do much, right. and unless until he remixed No No No, yeah, the original they hadn't really had a hit. Was and good. The original was all right. It was the video was whack. It was, it was just, yeah. yeah. It was a bit. You pretend as if my favorite. <laughs> I, I would say this to you. Not my favorite. That, my favorite interview ever. Mary J. Blige. There's a documentary I did with her. How did she walk in though? Like. No 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 no. no. Mary. Like, you know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring some homework in for you lot, right? Because I wanna I'm gonna I wanna give you it's on VHS. It was an hour. It was an hour long, right? And it was on um it was called the Players Club. And this is when um, we, this is gonna be a three hour epic tonight, you know. I'm cool, man. This is when this is when yeah. No, but this is when this is when television changed and changed um YouTube changed the whole world of music and it did. YouTube changed everything. And I'll tell you why. I started a production company um, to make, I wanted to make music documentaries. Of course. Because I looked on telly and I was like, oh, I didn't see much. So we, we came up with an idea called The Players Club. Six one hour documentaries on people that are influential or relevant to me in the music industry. They wanted me to do all the legends. I said, no, no, it's not about that. I'll tell you who I want to do. I've got, I've got some people in mind and trust me, I've got a good hunch and I think they'll, it'll make good filming. So I said to her, I said, but there's a group called Destiny's Child and there's this lead singer. She's amazing. I think we should follow them for do an hour on them. Nah, they went, nah. They would have had footage of her at 17, right? Eating that KFC bucket, <laughs> right? But they said, no, and I understood. And I said, this is kid, right? I think he could break America, but he's certainly going to be going over there to try and we could follow what, how hard it is to see a British. And that was Craig David. No, they didn't see that. Bloody hell. They didn't see that, right? What does it take? You've done it. This is the frustrations you don't, people don't see. They mm. only see you on telly. They don't know what, you, what you're trying to do, yeah. right? I said, okay, there's this guy. <laughs> He's running a label. No, this is how well, you I've got, got another one. Got you another one. Have to listen to me. Like, yeah, but this right, is how it is. Thing, I'll, I'll let that one slide. Okay, cool. No, but this is exactly how it was. Literally, yeah. there's a guy. You might, have heard, you might have heard of him, Puff Daddy. I bet you was like, no, but, no, but at the time, you, we're talking 2000, if you're an exec at the BBC and TV high up running what was effectively BBC Three at the time, 
you know, you might, you might, yeah, but you don't know his, his relevance. I said, he's, he's launching a clothing range, like right now, mm. well, soon. And it'll be interesting. They got that one. So we did Puffy. Um, and then I said, okay, Mary J. Blige, thinking they're going to say, mm. and they went, they knew, yeah, Mary J. Blige. So I did Mary J. Blige. And Mary, I spent four days following her on tour in America. And no, up to that point, my relationship with Mary J. Blige was up and down because early part of her career, she was on her drugs. You didn't know what you were going to get. Mm. She, she just didn't like she wanted to be there half the time. It was really terrible. But she changed. And I thought I wanted to see the new Mary. And I went around with her and her sister and her on, uh, a band and her entourage and everything. And she stayed in quite a humble hotel so that everyone could stay. She didn't stay in the, you know. Of course, yeah. She was yeah, right. cost effective. She came out and she trained on the lawn. She was training. We got a film and a training with this guy, Mark, who's a, who, who made D'Angelo's body like he made oh, him. Oh, for him. the video. Yeah. And, but, so we laid on a bed and we were just talking. And she openly admitted that Casey used to beat her Shit. on camera. On, can you remember that? On camera. It's the first time she'd ever said that. I didn't know. She was just talking and went around her mum's house. We had dinner with all her family. And I sat down, right, with her on a lawn in New Jersey. She bought mum a house. I sat down with Mary. I'm sitting with Mary. And I'm like, back to this interview. And every time a car pulled up, she goes, sorry. She'd get up, take her handbag, go over and give a relative a load of money, right? And come back and continue the thing and then we all sat down and ate and I, yeah, I was part of the family sitting there eating I was like amazed pass me the gravy <laughs> I, no, but it was amazing it was amazing to see someone who came and then we went to the projects and everything you know we went we did we did the doc so we without her we researched her you know we went and did interviews with our old friends at the projects and everything that's where Mary's got a scar from fighting and all this you know and it, it's amazing it was emotionally moving to me to see somebody truly come from nothing mm. and still part of her is still there you know just because of her extended family and the people she has to look after now you know the woman is now divorcing and he's after a lot of money from her and I tell you Mary ain't got that much money I've, Mary's got money but Mary hasn't got money just lying around money yeah, money given, lying around you know for all the albums that woman's house. made she'll always get royalties yeah of course she will but I love the, I genuinely love the woman for her. She's so honest. She's so honest. It's quite awkward to be in it because I revere her. And then she says things like, Trevor, it's hard. It's hard. And, you know, when she met that guy, her, her husband, I remember it was at the MTV Awards, some country, because we went every year. We had such a good time. Right. And she was there and she literally ran down the escalator. And said, Trevor, Trevor, come and meet my, my boyfriend. Like, this, I've got a man, I've got a boyfriend. She was like a little girl. Mm. You know, and I, I, you know, and I met him, Mr. Green Eyes, you know, and everything, and, I, and I, Ken do. And he's a nice guy. I mean, they stayed together a long time. But all I took from it was, there's Mary just trying to be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, yeah. when you, it's not a fake with her. It's not a fake with yeah, her. Her career's been up and down, man. It's not a fake with that woman. That woman is like, I see her like I would, you know, if I don't stay in touch with nobody, no artist, but she's the one person that I would check on if I, if I was to do with anybody and just phone and say, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because every, I, I, it's just weird when I meet her. It's really weird. It's really, really close. You know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. real massive respect for her. You know what I mean? That, that she, 
I just love her. You know what I mean? I love her. I hate, I hate hearing when she's failed or anything. I just think she epitomises, she's been through this scene from the start, from the very from the start. Early's, man. From the start, from the 91 or two to the present day, she's still got a tune. <laughs> you know, I respect her massively. Is there anyone that you've interviewed and thought, you're a dick? Lots, <laughs> lots of people. No names to drop or? Kanye West. Swear down. Or... I love him musically. Absolutely love him musically. Absolutely think he is a genius of his time, but he's so rude. Was he rude to you when, when you met him? Um, no. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't call him a dick. You yeah. did. Yeah, <laughs> no, but can it, no, no, let me, let me, re- let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. it. Me, and I'm going gonna, gonna re- to be careful about how I say this because yeah. I know these things get clipped and put everywhere. No. What I mean by this is I've had as many good, brilliant, actually, times with Kanye West. I've never really had a bad time with him. I just had a... I'll give an example. And we should spend a bit of time on Kanye. You know the first time he... The first time he took an award off someone? Yeah, Taylor Swift, was it? Nope. No, it was... Before um, that. Oh, it was a band, wasn't it? it MTV was, Awards. Fuck, who was it? I can't remember the name of the band, but they were quite a band you wouldn't remember. It was just the band who made the best video. Yeah. They got the best video award. He went up, he was a bit drunk, and he did... He, took the award off and said, nah, 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 man, nah. It wasn't Nickelback, was it? No, it wasn't Nickelback, not as big as that. It was a band that you wouldn't really know. Mm, busted um, or some shit. They just had an interesting video. I think they had a video, it might have been the video where they were on treadmills. I can't remember. But it sounds like uh, OK, okay go. go. I, I can't, OK Go? Yeah, I'm not, okay I'm go, not yeah. sure, it might be, I don't know. But he, he was, hell no, hell no, hell no. My video had Pamela Anderson in it. My video, I shot, oh, I, went over, I went over a canyon and all this Touch stuff. He went mad. So we had this guy called Tim Cash used to do a show on MTV. Yeah, you remember Tim? Yeah. Hmm. So, <laughs> Say word. Tim Cash was up Kanye's rectum, mm. right? To the point that when Kanye won a Brit, he mentioned, he name-checked Tim Cash. Because I remember being at Brit Awards. And we all laughed at MTV Base because we thought, <laughs> you know, he's not, he hasn't got, even got a hip hop show, but he was taking Kanye round London and getting him into nightclubs or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So um, at that award show, when he did that, Tim was doing the official after show. I mean, so he was doing the official MTV show. So everyone who came off stage would go straight to him. Kanye had done this dramatic thing. I didn't quite know what he'd done fully, but he came off the stage. Tim said, Yo, yo, you know, like, Kanye, this one. And he said, he said, nah, Tim, you my man, but he black. Whoa. Pointing at me. And he came and did an interview with me. Whoa. And to this day, I stood there going, Whoa. this guy is rock and fucking roll. <laughs> right? Right? This guy is wow. rock and roll. Right? I've got, I've got incidences with Kanye that's funny. So another time. I think this might be the same award. I, I was doing, I was doing, I was you doing need a to red. Come with me every day, man. No, I, I was doing a red stories. carpet. I was doing a red carpet, right, for the MTV awards. A red, this is Kanye's first MTV European award show, and I did a red carpet. I remember. I think it might be Norway or somewhere. And Snoop was, was Snoop. Snoop was there anyway, because I remember I tied his shoelaces up, the most embarrassing thing i ever done in my life. Snoop is so tall. I'll put that in my bio. He walked, down, he, walk, he walked down the red carpet towards me, right? And his laces were undone, like properly undone. He didn't want them. I don't, he, it wasn't a style thing. Yeah, he had yeah. them undone. He's so tall. He had, a, he had a fur on down to the ground. It was freezing. And I went down and said, hey, Snoop, man, what are you doing? I just, 
<laughs> I realised that what, I look like a golf ball or something, but it don't matter. But um, Kanye comes up with Nelly. They come to do a link with me. So Nelly's with some St. Lunatics and there's Kanye. And Kanye's face. Because he'd been, I think, at the Billboard Awards or American Awards and he didn't win one and he was vexed. And it was his first album, I think it's for Through the Wire. And, and he was, we, we were about to go to a break. I said, all right, Kanye, so I'm going to be saying something to you. Then I'll say something to Nelly and then we'll go back to camera. You know, just, and he's not, he's just, he's just going to Nelly. Yeah, but man, and Nelly's going, cool it, man, cool it. I've sold 50 million albums, I ain't it, before I won an award. You know, just cool it, just be happy you're selling records, man. And you know, all this sort of stuff. What conversations going, are over here? Man, I'm overhearing this conversation. <laughs> and Kanye's going, no, nah, man, but no, man, they got me all the way here. I better win something. And he's really, and by the time we, and I'm looking, I'm going, cool, man, good. By the time we get back, he's still like distracted. And I think this guy is definitely different. He's definitely different. Another time, he now, if you watch The Lick a lot, I think his second album, I think I gave it five out of five when I did my Lick album review. I said, I've never done this before. Boom. There's not, I can't fault this out. I love every bit of this album. May not be all your taste, because I'm a bit of an R&B head and there's a few tracks on there that are very R&Bish, but I love this, this album. This guy's a genius. Who's, who's, who, why didn't someone give him a deal before? But you know all that stuff. Then I met Kanye again. So I said, so, your next album, I'm thinking your next album's gonna be, he's got a magazine open while I'm talking to him. He's reading the magazine while I'm on radio, right? So you can't tell, because wow. I'm on radio. <laughs> anyway, goes, he went, yep, exactly what you just said. I reckon your next album could be more, da -da 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 -da, just like that, and I'm just like, oh. Another time I interviewed him, he had a plate of food in front of him. Put the sauce on, started talking to him, he starts eating. <laughs> <laughs> so but the best occasion was which was the album with Barry Bonds on it um oh, uh, um not well, graduation. graduation yeah no was it college it was, dropout graduation no, well, graduation. well that album anyway he, ca he came over and we had the BBC theatre and we had a lot of our staff and some people in there and it's the first we heard of the album and it's me and him sitting there and he played each tune of the album to the audience and got real feedback. And before he did it, he was walking around really nervously and I saw a really nervous Kanye. So, and we had a great, we had a great day. So what, what I'm saying is, it was easy for me to say, I don't want to interview Kanye again because I don't really care if I don't. I don't really care if I don't interview anyone again. It doesn't bother me. I, I'm, I'm, I've done my stuff that I really, you know, but he's a complex guy at least he's, I preferred my encounters with him than all the guys sugarcoating everything, just trying to be pop stars, you know? It's boring. A lot of R&B guys, singers used to come in and, and there's a joke, you know, like there's that duo that do those, those skits. Why did everyone laugh in the eight, 90s all the time? That uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah, it was all that, you know what I mean? We should go out tonight, man. We should go out. Let's hang, let's hang, man. Me and my boy Trav. Yeah. I just met you, Giza. What are you talking about? You know, you know, no, but do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Me and my boy. So Kanye, at least he was, at least everything that's transpired with him is consistent. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's personal half the time. I think something just goes on in his brain. Yeah, I think it snowballed. I think if you if you trace if you go back to college dropout, mm. the very last song he goes on like a three minute monologue about 
uh, like how that you know this is someone who's releasing an album that's going to go on to be I think his most successful album out of all I'm pretty sure College Dropout is Kanye's most successful Probably. album yeah. today. It's possible, At yeah. At the end of that album, he is. You, you you can hear him talking about how he feels so hard done by and stuff, you know? So I think from then, Kanye always... He had a chip on his shoulder. He had a chip on his shoulder. He saw himself as a bit of a victim. He had the and chip, I think yeah. it, I think the, the, the more successful he got, the more angry he got that yeah. he wasn't yeah. successful yeah. earlier. Yeah. Well, I'll tell yeah. you why. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They've not rejected him, innit? Yeah, they didn't want to give him Jay-Z a label. They didn't want to put him on the thing. Nothing. Like, even when on one album, he talks about how he went to... Watch Jay at the Blueprint for beats he produced, and he still yeah. had to pay to get in. Yeah, yeah. So like on the big, anyone? Yeah, big yeah, but, yeah. But the thing, yeah, but this is the thing, and what people don't understand. Back in those days, in in New York, particularly, and and, and probably in LA, you got the man. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to Bad Boy in its heyday. You know, when it's paranoid, when Biggie just passed away. I remember mm. going up there trying to get. Puffy to produce a remix. That's the good thing about working for a major label like EMI. You can actually go and do things like that. Yeah, and sit down and have a meeting with yeah. somebody, you know. And it's Puffy had loads and loads of producers up there. Tons, hits, loads, G and all loads. That. And they, and you know, they all do. And they're the brand. They're the name. Yeah. You know, and these Rust. little, you know, they get paid. You did this. You, you want a deal? This is the deal. All right. You want to do it? You want to do it? You want to get heard? You want to get heard? Give me that beat. Give me that beat. You want to get heard? Give me that beat. Could I see a man talking to you? Yeah, give me that beat. Give me that beat. Here's some change. I'll give you half the royalty. Pro- I'm just imagining, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you half the royalty. I'd give a, a well-known producer, but your name. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna put your. Your name's actually gonna be credited yeah, next to my name, underneath <laughs> yeah. my or something like that. Yeah. You're on the road, bro. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. You're yeah. on the road, and that they did treat producers and then producers who were successful because you go there. And I remember, I remember having a conversation with Puffy. A very short, this is the only time we've ever had a business like record label bad boy EMI conversation yeah. not not me interviewing in fact when I met him I had never interviewed him yet okay so I went there and I was, I was talking to his manager label manager he was in and out of a studio running in every two minutes ago he sent the email he sent an email so he said I'll meet Trevor he's from EMI and he wants you to I wanted them to actually remix the Misha Parrish tune right mm-hmm. Should have known. Because you're A&R her as well. Yeah, should have known better. I wanted them to, to do, right. try and do something with it. So he said, Puff, Puff will cost you like 50 grand. I said, no, 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 like that. And, 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 and someone else will cost you this, but we got a new guy. He'll probably get you for 25 or 20. You know what I mean? And that, there's always a new guy. Yeah. There's one new guy. And you see what the, the way, and I went up, I did something on Dame Dash as well a few days with him. I okay. did I filmed something with him and I saw his operation. And to be honest, it's not much. It's not much difference, you know. They 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 got they got producers. You you're a producer. You're a producer. Mm. You know, Kanye wanted to rap, and he didn't appear on any of the. I don't think he did. He appear on any no. of the tunes he produced, rapping, even no. ad libbing. Hell no. Right. Only producers with weight and clout. Actually, did one arm. Um, one yeah. Never change. Yeah, never changed. Yeah, never changed. Was it might have been on that? No, he's not on that. Done a chorus on the blueprint. Yeah, but either way, either way, either way, you know the power that producers had in them days. They were, you know, they were names themselves. You know, you look Swiss Beats a little later. There were all of these guys were big names. He wasn't mentioned, even though Kanye produced stuff. His name wasn't really. 
you didn't mention know you heard the Kanye. Neptunes. You knew oh, the yeah. Neptunes were. Yeah. Everybody knew the Neptunes were. Everyone knew. But he he was bitter, I think, from yeah. that experience. Because by by the time by the time I first read about Kanye, I used to read like Vibe quite religiously. Mm, mm. And by the time I first read about Kanye in like an introductory capacity, he'd already produced cuts off like um, off like even like as far back as the dynasty. Yeah, yeah. enough and tunes. shit like that. You That's what me? I'm saying. Before I even heard yeah. of this guy. Yeah. And people were still accidentally calling him Kane yeah. at the time. Yeah. It's that, so it's I, that deep. I, yeah, but I think... You, I hear think his, you hear his frustration, though, in his lyrics, like, yeah, about him being... Imagine locking yourself in a room for three summers and, like, for anybody wanted Key West beats me and my girl split the bucket, bucket at KFC. Yeah. Like, but wait, he went out with Beyonce? No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, obviously, like, I, I could just tell he's just obviously got a lot of... He's, ho he's holding a lot yeah. of grudges. Yeah. And now yeah. he's in a position he could just do I what think, he wants. I think like, now that he's, he's married the biggest... Reality TV star on the planet that doesn't help. Yeah, I you know, like that, like that. You know, in, in my eyes, Kanye could be making music and spending the rest of his time meditating. Mm. You know, rather than being, you know, in the situation he's in. But you know, that's his business. We mm, could, yeah. you, you know, it, because because he's with Kim Kardashian, he becomes everybody's business. Anyone can talk about a reality star because that's what they're there to, to be spoken about. So I, I, it's not for me to talk about another person's relationship, but he's married a reality star, yeah. a, the biggest reality star. Mm -hmm. It means that anybody feels legit about talking about Kenya West. It's a fair game. Yeah, open season, yeah. Isn't it? And, that, and that is the problem. And I don't think that helps his state of no, mind no, sometimes. Yeah, talking about, talking about the Kim Kardashians, sorry, talking about the Kardashians is genuinely like talking about the weather. It can easily just slip into any conversation, conversation about anything, any time. The public are there, is their image. Um, damn. This is like one of the best episodes. For real, I don't even want to attend. I will yeah. miss my last train. There's, there's loads more, you know. <laughs> there's loads more. <laughs> got, you know what? I, I, um, I really enjoyed it. It's late. We, I missed the Brits. You're locked you out lot, your house. But I've enjoyed it because you know what it is for me? It's, it's, what's the word? Your, your, your worst myth. Cathartic. Cathartic, yeah. Jeez. It's cathartic. That's why I went straight to Michael. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 it's cathartic because yeah. I've got, I've experienced quite a lot of things and I've seen a lot of things, you know, just because I've been around for so long, 30 years, you know, and you can't cram that into a little, and I've got loads of things to say about everything. Mm. You know, I've got an opinion on everything. Some things I thought we could change. We haven't changed in the course of all this time, it's still the same. And you could say to me one day, what are those things? And that'd be another show probably. Some things have jumped massively, yeah. quantum leap. Do you think there's a you lot know? of um, relapse and regression at the same time? Do you think sometimes, oh yeah, wicked, we've achieved the milestone. And then the, for, for the case in point, remember that music week issue? Which one? The one that, that was all... Just a mag completely magnolia. Yeah. Um, I, look, I think... I think we've made strides. And I say we, what does we mean? You see, I love when you say we. Yeah. I love when you say we, Marcy. Yeah. See, yeah, but the scene... I don't like using culture, but... Look, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to put this. I think there's... If you, if you break it down very, 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 very broadly, because I think... I know we're talking... I know people listening are up on their scene and they're up on it. But if we were talking to Britain at large and we just split into two, we'd say, right, here's a line. This side is the underground. You don't know about this side. Mm. 
this side is what you hear on radio and what you see on telly and what you see everywhere. That's the overground. That's the mainstream. Mm. It was designed for you to know. Where do you want to be? Mm. Right? Where do you lie? First of all, not, I'm not talking to musicians. I'm talking to the public. Mm. 90% of them are happy in the mainstream. Yeah. 90. Don't fool yourself. It's true. Don't fool yourself because everybody you know, all your mates mm-hmm. are into the underground because we've all been in that place. Absolutely. All of us. Right? What I like is things to be quite black and white. If you want to be a pop star, be Tiny Temper. Be a yeah. pop star. Yeah. Tiny Temper set his goal out to be a pop star. He did. I remember he in- is a pop star. We need a pop star who raps yeah. in some way, yeah, shape yeah, or form yeah. because we, don't, we never had one. Mm-hmm. Name the one before Tiny. No. Can't. Consistently, apart from Dizzy, Dizzy, That's but it. you wouldn't call Dizzy's music initially. Pop, I would say yeah. Dizzy, Dizzy yeah, well, yeah, Dizzy was cult at the time. Dizzy, pop, Dizzy, pop, yeah. Time Tiny came out from the time past that dropped. He was a pop star, absolutely right. And to his credit, he has maintained his pop stardom. Yeah, it's mm. true. Most people hit after hit after hit after fall hit. off straight away when they've hit that pop star level. They can't, they can't maintain. Mm-hmm. Tiny. And dummy, give them their due. Boom. 100%. A hundred percent. Right? They're flown. So they, that, that is clearly black and white. I'm a pop. You can pop at me all you like, mate. I'm drinking tea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, in an interview, they asked him, who do you want to be like? He, mm. he said Rihanna. Yeah, absolutely. He's okay, quoted yeah. as saying, yeah, no, the, the, no. the, 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 the Na- star he wanted to be most like was Rihanna. I, I, if you could, naked ambition is great as long as it's clear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's not clouded. Yeah. Too many of our artists are clouding. Too many of our artists are clouding their real objectives. Mm, It's true, and it's getting in the way, right? You know, I wanted to do what I wanted to do as a broadcaster. I wanted to convert people into our music. So I'll do. That's why I did Radio One. That's why I did MTV. You know, and if it means I have to bring play, I don't know. If I have to play Bobby Brown to get them to understand who Anthony Hamilton is. Or play, I don't know, once in my life, PM Dawn to get to play Common. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Yeah. For the sake of Common and for the sake of Music Soul Child or the sake of Rhyme Devon or any of these people, mm-hmm. right? Or D'Angelo. People who are short-sighted and go, all they talk about is the one you played that they didn't like are really being short-sighted. Yes. They don't understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So now I'm on Radio 2 as well. And I'm doing the same, the whole thing again in a different way, you know. That's but even with, more of an with disco, with I'm going right back to my real beginnings of yeah. when I bought music. You know, I'm playing disco. I'm playing them to fifty year olds. You know, yeah, I was going to say you're playing, playing to Daily Mail. Yeah, but I don't. I, yeah, but it's great because yeah, that's because, you because, can't change from you yeah, can't change yeah, from yeah, the Yeah, that's my point. I played Young MC, right? I'll give you a joke. I played Young MC on Radio Two on Saturday. Know how? Which I used to play the instrumental of, which was the instrumental was just sick b boy break. It's, it's unbelievable. I got a tweet from one guy going, oh my God, so good to hear Young MC on Radio 2. I've got another tweet from someone saying, listen to all your show. I played it two songs from the end. Switched off when you played that rubbish rap record from Young MC. Wow. <laughs> but that's, 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 the, that's the journey. Right that's the journey. Yeah. That's, so it starts all over again for me, but on Radio 2. So I feel like I'm starting all over again, like when I yeah. first joined Radio 2. And it's great. But I just think we mustn't get caught up in our coolness clouding our thoughts. I, I see guys coming into one extra, a lot of bands, right? Female and male with an entourage. And I see the artist as one thing and I see the entourage as another thing. Mm. And yes, the entourage is a, 
it's a it's a comfort blanket is, when you're yeah. walking into these big buildings like the BBC or something like that. I know what that entourage is for, that them friends are for, but also those friends haven't got what you got that's made you what the reason you're walking through that building. So when you're taking advice off them friends, may not be the best advice because yeah. you've done something that's you've cut away, you've done something, you know, and it's and sometimes it gets really lonely. Mm-hmm because you're making all the decisions yourself. Like for me, I've been in lonely places a lot of times, you know what I mean? Where I know I can't sit there with somebody else because no one would understand my thought process, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of people do get that, do get pangs of loneliness, Mm. especially if they get any level of true success, you know? Because you can't can't drag everyone with you because it's a, you've you've got to be so single-minded sometimes, you know what I mean? To get to where you want to get to, that your friends have become debris or shrapnel yeah. off you because it's if they're not giving you positive vibes or understanding what you're doing, it's really, really tough. And so true. I will urge anyone to keep it black and white. You know, the gray is, for, is when you're doing it as a hobby, when it's fun, Yeah. when you're traversing. One of the only artists I know who's a big artist who does that is Wiley. I look at him as grey. He's black and white and grey. He's, he's just, he used to toss tunes out. You just didn't know. Why he's gone hard? Oh no, he's gone. He's gone pop. He's gone hard. He's got. You know, That's what he, he wants. He has a yeah, freedom. Yeah. Because he's always been wily. Yeah. You know, That's other you know. people couldn't get away with that. That's true. Other people could not get away with that. Absolutely. But there's something about Wiley. He can do that. Yeah. You know, and I'm not a grime head. You know, I'm just or whatever. I just observe, and I see things, and I think, okay, and I look at some people, and I think, hmm. Crew's holding you back, mate. Very true when you think you about know, it, man. Or, or just, what do you want? I can't work out what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you want? Because we all know what it is. We all know what it is. We can see it clearly. There's no mystery anymore. There's none of this. Tony Braxton's bankrupt because she didn't realise she was paying for the cabs and all the flowers and everything. But come on, we all know what's, what the score is. If you go major, you know what it is. If you're independent, you know every single penny That's been that you spend. Out, yeah. Like when Skepta said... Mate, I spent hundred pound on that video or something like that. That time, yeah, 80, that was hilarious. Eighty pound. That was on, that's not me. That was hilarious, and that was because he's independent. He knows what his business is about and how he's running his shop. I just think you know sometimes we got we got you. You have to be the judge of you. Just don't wait for someone to judge you. Sometimes you got to look straight in the mirror and judge yourself, mate. Or would you think that like you see the advice that you're talking to us now, like it's golden, but there's no one. There's not that voice in a lot of young people's ears because they're clouded like by social media or comments and stuff yeah. like that. Like not, the tunnel vision. I've rare. got kids. I've got kids. Yeah, you know, and you know, they've they're both very different. You know, my son likes he he likes likes he likes his phone. He likes he likes you know he's a typical son. Yeah. You know of this generation, I. You can't fight social media. Social media is a beast. It's the biggest beast out there. Yes. I know a lot of women and a lot of young girls who just don't like themselves. Because you know, because of, of media, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's worrying. It's really worrying. And I don't know if I I don't know if I'd be the guy I am today if I was born up in a social media. Yeah. I don't take criticism easily. Yeah. Right, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna be one of them. I never use the term haters. I ne- you'll never hear me ever. You can look up every interview ever. I've, ever, I've never used the term, and you know why? Because it's a, it's a, it's a shield saying someone's a hater. It's a shield. It's protecting you. They're just haters, though. You know what I mean? They're just haters. Quick deflection. It's a deflection, and it's a shield, and I, and I get it, because some people clearly are. Mm. But 
if I had that in my career on, when I was coming up, it might have affected the outcome of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, who knows? I'm so thankful that we didn't have social media when I was doing the lit because everyone would have been second guessing everything I said. Ah, oh, what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you know what I mean? Do you think so? I, I think, think so. Language yeah. that I think they used do. When they talked about you, was you? I think I they would have. I don't, I don't know because because there was no social media at the time. Mm. I don't think you truly know the kind of impact that you had on us in our homes. Yeah, no, I real. do. I did. I did. I think because I, you I didn't did. seem like a guy that was just oh yeah, like this music's like popping. Like it was not. <laughs> no, it was you, deeper you had than that. Kind of air of yeah. it was. It was a sage air. It was. It was wisdom. It was like. Fuck, man, if he says this tune's good, this it's is good. Because he's no, talking I, about it from a good. music, from, from a music <laughs> no, I know. You. No, I was, know. There was, there was, there was but, a stark difference, and no but, offense to him, there was a stark difference between you and Blackwood. And then Cat, um, not Cat, uh, uh, yeah, Cat, Cat. Cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That you were the. I get you, but. You were the. But, you know the, the, okay. the straight brandy on the. Yeah. You know the ones it was. Okay. Watch this. Watch yeah. this. Yeah. I'm going to bring Bex, Bex yeah. right? Yeah. You're going to tell me. No, but wait, Mike, 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 Mike. Bex, you weren't around at the time, right? <laughs> I wasn't even thought about what. Right, okay. So you <laughs> weren't around at the time. <laughs> but, oh, dude, that's boring. But you're born in the social media era. Yeah. People will say shit because they want to say something. Yeah, that's true, that's true. That's and true. how you interpret it, you, you don't know if someone's going, ha, let's wind up Trevor. Let's just say, um, let's just say what you just said about Teddy Riley is so wrong, bruv. I'm yeah. telling you, I know his cousin. That's bullshit. <laughs> Your show's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. What you wear's bullshit. You're gay. <laughs> right? All right? Okay? Now... That's so typical. Now, as let well, me just say, yeah, yeah, let just me just say, a little one in there that's not related to Yeah, anything. let me just say, I'm not homophobic. I'm just saying, this is a sort no, of crap. Right. Now, I would say I read that, and I just come off air. The transmission just happened. It went out in everyone's home, and I got 150 people going, oh, show was wicked, great yeah. show. And the two. That one oh, that were like that, so and he's just true, and he's just man. winding me up. He's just there to wind me up, and he's waiting for a response because he's. he's yeah, I bet yeah. he hits you back. So true. Because yeah. I once I've I've had this once, and I, I don't really get it because I don't look for it to be fair. And I did it, and immediately they said, "Mate, we got a biter, we got a biter," and you feel like an idiot, right? Yeah. So I think people would. I think people would just because they do, and people right. just it's, do. It is it's people. True, people will thumbs down a video on YouTube yeah, because they, they ain't got one yet. Nah, I'm doing the. Let me just be difficult. I'm gonna be difficult. So you, you're. I'm glad it wasn't around, and I'm glad. Yeah. But Michael, I did know. I did know. Yeah. I did know because. I would bump into some, I remember the, the joy of doing MTV and that you'd get invited to things. I remember me and Nigel Ben playing a boxing game at a launch where we met Muhammad Ali. It was Jeez. amazing. Muhammad, you know, he's my hero, you know. Yeah. And I'm standing there with Nigel still trying to beat me up, even playing. He's, them guys are ferocious. He's like, mm. <laughs> right, and, he's going, and he goes to me after, he goes, mate, love your show on MTV. He goes, me, my son, my wife were tucked up in bed every time you're on we know Trust when you're on me. and you know and it's a generation and it's cool man mm. it's just cool I love it and, and, and so I did know I yeah. did know it wasn't national telly it yeah. wasn't like terrestrial it was only for a small amount of people Those the new but I do know because I used to watch every show back yeah Right, and I didn't watch it like, ah, oh, look at me. No. I watched it because I wanted to watch a show on R and B on mm, telly. Exactly. You know, because where was it? So I'd watch it, take raise myself out wherever I could in my head, but you know, just try and make it better or you know, and it was it You used was to the do that with fun. your radio shows. Yeah, as always. Well, right? I I would advise anyone who does radio, and I did this for like ten years, twenty years. 
every single radio show I did, because remember, I didn't do daytime playlisted shows initially. I did pure mm. specialist. So every show I did, I recorded, I put it in my car and I listened to it at least once. And I wouldn't wait for a producer to say, you did that wrong, you did this wrong. I would just no. listen to it. And I'd be doing other stuff. That's how most people listen to radio. They don't listen like this. Yeah, like yeah, it's true. They don't listen with their ear up to the radio, every single word they say. Mm. If you fuck up, they'll hear it. Yeah. If you get dead air, they'll hear it. You know, if you go, yeah. Tick, they'll hear that. But they're not listening to you, but they'll hear that. They mm. always do. Yeah, so I listen and I just self-regulated. And that's how I tried to get better. I used to laugh too much at my own jokes. I used to, I still repeat what I say too much. Mm. But I don't listen anymore. I haven't listened for 10 years, but I don't listen no more, but I used to. Mm. And then I got to the point of saying, right, I'm a broadcaster now. It's not about me being a specialist DJ. You know, I want to have fun. I want to broadcast. I like broadcasting. I'm not in the, I can't listen to music radio. I don't listen to any music radio. When I get in my car, I listen to talk radio, any form of talk, sports, news, anything. I don't play music at home unless it's, I have loads of music at home. I only play music at home when I'm getting ready for a gig because I have to ration it. I've had so much music. Intake in your last right? So much music in my head that I've had to ration it to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Or else yeah, you, you stop, in, yeah, you you stop enjoying it. Constant, if it's constant, 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 constant. You know, like New Music Friday now coming, four albums released. And you know there ain't a classic in none of them four. <laughs> you know there ain't a classic. You know them days are over. Yeah, for real. All right? So you work out four times 60 minutes. <laughs> fuck out of here. That's four that hours, bro. That's like four hours. I could be feeding my fish <laughs> or something. No, but you get what I mean? Yeah. So there are, I, I would rather just get the feedback. Listen to, a, if there's an album I really, an artist I really, I'll go for it, I'll listen. And if they're, you know, but I'm being honest, I'm, I like broadcasting now. I think that the fun of being a specialist DJ has been taken away a little bit for me because I was used to dying for the art, you know, like having yeah. to go miles to get music, spend yeah. all my money. Now it's just lift that laptop up. Yeah. Everyone, it's equal. The it, everyone the record store is no longer yeah, happening. Yeah, it doesn't make you special. It doesn't make you special. It doesn't. You know, so all you've got above everybody else maybe are your broadcasting skills or, yeah. or the fun you can have on radio or, you know, or the, I know what I am. They call me uncle now. I've had to take that one. And, yeah. I, and I now enjoy it because I think you don't call someone an uncle if you don't like if them, you don't right? Respect. That's yeah, respect, respect them. them. Yeah, it's yeah. someone who's yeah. not your relative, yeah. but they've come round. Yeah. They're old enough to be your parent, but... You know what? I wouldn't mind if he was my uncle. Yeah. I take that. Yeah. You are looked up to by a brace yeah. of um of, of like burgeoning presenters. You know, like no, I, 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 I see how much you know Clara Ampho, mm. Yasmin Evans. Yeah, no, I, I, but I, but I'm, I, I would, I would be honest with you. I talk to all of them. Yeah, and I you talk can to see every that. You single, see that, you know? every single DJ that joins one extra. Well, and to a degree, Radio 1, but not so much Radio 1. But I talk to all of them because mm. I, I can see that they've come into it at a completely different time to me. I was like, <laughs> I was like the only one yeah, on, exactly. on Radio the 1, right? I, at first, I was the only one on Radio 1. So, but I was prepared for it because I went to a school like that, a secondary school like that. Yeah. I had a job at EMI like that. Yeah. I was prepared when I went to MTV. It was similar, mm. you know, so I... I, I I was built for that, but they come into a place where everyone's competitive and everyone sees the prize now. Mm. So everyone wants to do, 
and they've got ideas what they want to do with their brand and everyone's got idea. and we didn't know about that we it's just true. had to become a brand to make a living yeah. you, you see what i mean absolutely so it's just sometimes keeping them going sometimes just telling them you know you don't need to do a million links you don't need to be you don't need to be you are you are a personality by just being you you yeah. know you don't have to force it it sometimes it's it's hard to convince people you know that you just be you and don't try hard yeah public ain't stupid mm -hmm. you know sometimes we over try public can tell they can tell someone who's sincere who's insincere you can just tell you know and the sort of people you want liking you are those sort of people so just do you and if they like you they like you if they don't they don't you're in the wrong job do you think that's part of the reason why you've managed to like have such a long lasting career because if you look at it there's DJs that I was growing up listening to that had big shows, daytime, yeah. and they're non-existent yeah. now. Like they're I, struggling. And I don't. I, I well, that's a book in it. I mean, <laughs> I, I know most of the DJs that came up on a certain level. I've encountered most of them. Some of them, I think, ridiculously talented. Yeah. In a club, yeah. more so than on air. So that doesn't win you. That doesn't get you listeners. Um, I don't. I think it is a bit of a. I think you. You have to have a natural talent. You do, you can't, not everyone can do radio. You know, you know I'm aware that my voice, I, I go in somewhere and I'm talking in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bank or somewhere like that. And as soon as I start talking, people turn around. And they immediately, <laughs> you know, white, black, all, all ages. Is that you, Trev? No, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I get it at football. I go, I go Chelsea, man. I try to keep my mouth shut, you know, when I'm queuing up to get, to get in the turnstiles. But the moment you, my mate's always talking loud at me. And the yeah, moment yeah. you start talking, someone turns around. So... Oh Jesus! I remember seeing your uh, your fan special match of the day about Chelsea. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. the only time I reckon in my whole life that I've ever lost an ounce of respect for. Yeah, no, I get it all the time. <laughs> it's all right, mate. But I'm, but again, you know what it is, Michael? A lot of people. I supported Chelsea when I was seven. Yeah, no, and I, 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 that. I, grew, I yeah. grew up in Hackney, and Chelsea had a very bad reputation at some point. They used mm -hmm. to recruit national front. Used to recruit at the yeah, gates. Yeah. Uh, probably second only to Millwall or West Ham or something like that. Uh -huh. Those three clubs were always in a bit of... And I... You know what? Can you imagine? Everyone in my house is Arsenal. Mm. Are you serious? And Arsenal is the one club I have to tell you I'm supposed to support. Yeah. I, whenever I go Arsenal... Yeah. Whenever I go Arsenal, all I see is people I know. You seem like a gooner, Trev. I know. Right? Jazzy's a gooner. Like you know, my son's a gooner. My son, let me give you the joke. I bought him a Zola shirt, yeah? I took him to Chelsea. He's about six. Yeah, yeah, dad. Yeah, we grew, he grew up in Muswell Hill, North London, right? Oh. So I said, he, he said, dad, my shirt's getting a bit too small for me, you know? So I said, oh, there's some money. Go with your mum. Go get yourself a new shirt. I'll, I'll, I'm so big. I've got to go and film or something mm. like that, yeah? Come home. Thierry Henry yes. Arsenal shirt. Like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> that was when I knew... We're going to have some trouble here, son. <laughs> like, we're never going to bond properly, right? <laughs> but you know what? It's, I, I respected him because I said, you know what? You could have just stayed Chelsea to please me, but I respect that you're an individual. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I was. And it's part of what defined me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I stayed a Chelsea fan. I went to, I, I saw my first game was Tottenham, didn't support them. Then Arsenal, didn't support them. Then Leighton Orient, didn't support them. Then my dad took me Wembley, didn't support Southampton or Man United. I went to Chelsea after all that, but I would really support them. And I've always supported. I'm a season ticket holder, 20 years. Can't even go on a Saturday now. Still got my season ticket. Yeah. But 
it's it, I think that's people will respect you if you're honest. Yeah, and I'm true. honest, and it wasn't the dumb thing at one point, especially yeah. in the 80s, to well. be a black Chelsea supporter yeah, at one point. Madness. You know what I mean? Mad thing. But, um, but when I went to that grand, all, all, they, just, they just kind of respected you because you're just like, Ooh, all right, son. That's the thing about a lot of racists. They're not even ball, really <laughs> racist. No, they're not. They're racist against this stereotype. They're ignorant. They're, ignorant. they're then, ignorant. Yeah, that's what it they're is. They're ignorant. Yeah. They think that black people are either their one black friend mm. or like just all roadmen. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, no, but, no, but you know what? You know what? That's when you tap into your roadmanism because they all thought he's a little nutter. He's got to be a nutter. Yeah. He's, he's got to be a whole mess of him. Mad. He's got to be mad. <laughs> you can't just come in here one up like that. Nah, he's listen. Time, nah, I'm nah, not knocking. Every single time I hear Chelsea, like the, the games I'm actually there, all the Harry's, um, what's that song? What's this? The Chelsea stop. Chelsea. Um, there's actually liquidator. Liquidator. What's the tune? That's our tune. Chelsea. Liquidator. It's liquidator. Yeah, yeah. Bad tune. Bad tune. Proper black man. Yeah, yeah. Proper. But congrats on the league anyway, man. You've got that. We ain't got nothing yet. You you don't don't make out you're a novice. I've seen bigger leads go than that. Eight points is not. Is eight points? That's nothing. Yeah. That is nothing. You lose your next game, that's five points. I hear you. And then, yeah, and then someone says you still got Man City to play and Man U. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be honest, I'm a Man United fan, so I don't really see, like, you wash us, like. Man, Man U, right? Mourinho's on a mission. He is. When I tell you that man is on a mission, right now, you got us in the FA Cup, he does not want that game. I know, I don't want it. When he, I saw it, I thought, fuck, He does over now. not want that game. 4-0 he lost last time. He ain't going to lose 4-0. He ain't going to lose 4-0. You lot can't blitz the goal be... in the first minute, bro. I turned yeah. it off. I said, yo, this that is That was this. my best game I, for was years. That was, yeah, what do you oh, mean was bro. I there? Listen, <laughs> that game was my favourite game since we drew with Spurs and stopped Spurs winning the league last year. Serious? Yeah. I did, a, I did a thing on Match of the Day. Again, similar to that one. But this was just, they've, we, went, we played West Ham and they've, they interviewed you before in the middle and after the game. Yeah. So after the game, they interviewed me. I said, well, it's a tough season, isn't it, man? You know, I can't remember. I think we drew against West Ham or something. He goes, so what's left for the season? And I just looked straight down the camera and I went, stop Spurs. And I went straight back to the studio and Elisha was cracking up. <laughs> I put my Twitter on. Man. All, the, all the Tottenham fans on my case, on my case. We're coming for you. <laughs> We're coming for you. <laughs> Chelsea rent boys. We're coming for you. I said, come not. Come not. <laughs> we, <laughs> we were there. We were there. It was great. There, I love football banner. I love football banner. I think it's, I think, it, and you know something, I think it's something, um, and, and, and I will say a black and white issue here. I think it's something that so many black people absolutely love. And in my time growing up, so, many, so few black guys went to games um, yeah, because yeah. of the 70s and the way it was in the 80s. And now I'm so, I think it is such, a, it's so much better. It's brilliant. It's brilliant now. No yeah. lie, no lie. Wherever, whatever ground you go to, there might be one in London I will still be a bit nervous about, but wherever you go to, it's, it's fantastic. Families, global, 
Corvus, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't subscribe to the fact that it's a working class game. It should stay working class. We should do that. Nah, it's an everybody's game. It's an yeah, for you everybody. know what I mean? It's an everybody's yeah, it's totally game. Inclusive. And it's, it's a global game. And football banter's brilliant. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's brilliant. It's, it, it, without football banter, men would never talk to each other. True. Do you watch boxing or UFC? <laughs> I watch boxing. I don't do UFC. I don't do... UFC's mad. It scares I don't do me, all that scary... Love that shit. That, that, you know you what UFC... That shit. UFC... UFC... It's like... You see, outside of a club <laughs> at four in the morning, you know, when a man's been chirps in another man's woman or something, <laughs> it's all elbow down and all this nonsense. It's, it's crazy. I like re- boxing. When you really think about it. Yeah, the UFC is the shit it's though, man. savage, bro. Mm. You think it's going to win between Hay and Bellew? Oh, okay. <laughs> all I know is I ain't paying for that. Who's paying for what? <laughs> Yeah, well, I yeah, but just remember, I'm BBC and legit, and I've got letters after my name. I have to pay. I thought, I thought it was gonna be their life. If anything, yeah, good, good comeback, right? Yeah. If, 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 if like that, yeah. If I don't pay, I'm in the papers. You remember that, yeah? No, I think I like I like Bellows. I like his. I like his. I like his oomph. Yeah. I like, he's got some. He's got some chirping chat, isn't he? Yeah. But the but. I'm not being funny since I've seen that guy in a boxing ring I've always thought is he taking his sport really seriously because he looks like me with his top off yeah he doesn't do cardio innit he says he doesn't do cardio well you know look I don't think it matters massively when you're fighting someone and you've got superior skills but when you're fighting someone a former world champion who is built like a like hey tank yeah and he's a knockout specialist it's dangerous so I, first round second round I t- mate I think hey I've, I've, I know David Hay and he is, he's, he's, he's what he is, right? He is what he is, you know, you know, he's been called out a bit yeah. and he does like the high life a bit and all that. But like he said, I don't think Bellew's got anything to hurt him unless Hay's shot and Hay ain't shot. I don't think Hay's shot. He hasn't fought enough to be shot. No. And he hasn't taken enough licks to be shot. So I, I, I think it could be a better scrap than people think. What do you reckon? Four rounds, five rounds? <laughs> what are you doing to me, man? Fred's going to go to okay, Paddy Power. You're a, you a boxing fan? Yeah. What's, Bella, what's Bella's jab like again? How far is it? Because they're about the same height, aren't they? The, I think um, if he's, he's got, got longer arms. Yeah, but if he's got a, a good, good jab... But then he goes underneath the jab. Yeah, but... that movement Yeah, thing I know, but... He goes underneath and he... He moves yeah, a lot. It's a problem. He used to. Yeah, true. He's getting older Let's now. Let's see if he does. Yeah, see, I don't. You just don't know. Yeah, it's true. You His see, style might you see, the guy who's in, who's not rusty, ring rusty, is Bellu. Mm. The yeah, guy, right yeah. now, that 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 means a lot in boxing, you know. And he's, but you only have to take one thump on your head, and he punches to lose hard, that jump. I I can't back, back anyone, but hey, and I think it, it it'll go half distance. I think it'll go half distance. I don't think I'd be surprised if David Hay comes out and just tries to knock his head off. I think he's a bit smarter than that. Mm. I'll be surprised. In I fact... You reckon he'll outbox him smartly? It won't, I think it won't go him. the distance, will it, though? Nah, I think... You really think, do? Nah, nah, no way. With Hayes punching pads. Remember, he's a cruiserweight. Like, obviously, Hay used to be a cruiserweight, but yeah, no, but he's, he's, and he's going up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Michael, these right. are getting in their zone, boys. Hayes too big. Trevor, let's bring it to your new yeah, shows. Sorry. I feel like yeah. I needed your Sunday show. Well, oh, happening. my God, yeah. Can we talk? Can we, please? Please, okay. So I go to school I'll now I'll give you a quick one extra. I'll give you a quick one extraism thing, right? So one extra... Um, like I said, I said to Michael, I said to you before, before these guys, producers actually turned up to do the recording for the podcast. <laughs> I was saying that, I was saying that, you know, I, I, the reason I joined One Extra was because I've been on Radio One for quite a long time. I've been a specialist. I kind of, I think you've got to know when you've hit your plateau. 
And for me as a specialist, I plateaued. I'd done my bit, I'd, you know, and I just wanted to enjoy broadcasting. Mm. And so they asked me to, to do daytime. And I always thought, you know, I just want, you know, anything to bring a bit more. Because we, we weren't put on One Extra when they joined. I think One Extra should have put me, Westwood and Goldfinger on straight away. I know they, because they was rude. Jeez, Goldfinger, mm. I heard that name in a while. Yeah, but I think they should have. I think, along with all the new talent, because we had already had an audience on Radio 1. And we would have immediately brought more audience, you know, a lot more audience for One Extra. But it didn't matter. I was happy to join because for the first time in years, the British scene was absolutely doing it. It was amazing. I mean, I've done the live lounge for years and I'm amazed at the talent that comes through the... I'm very, I could put on the fingers of one finger who I didn't think did a good live lounge or two maybe. You know, everybody... Do you I'm, have a favourite though, like... Jeez, I don't know, man. Like one that's been like, honestly, there's so now. many. I'm mm. always amazed. They're live. They're doing their thing live. That, that early in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that early in the morning, whether they are going to sell loads of records or not. I watch them. They're in the BBC. They're in the live lounge on the eighth floor where Coldplay or whoever does it. You know what I mean? And these people come and eat the thing up, man. And I love it. I love mm. it. So I did that for eight years, as you know. I, th I thought I'd do five, but they ended up... Keep it me for eight. I didn't want to be too old on daytime because mm. I just felt, you know what, I'm, I don't want to be this guy just until you drag me out of kicking and screaming. I'd rather go when people still think, oh, I kind of miss him a bit, you know. Mm. So that was right. And then they said, um, I said, well, you know, do weekends. And I said, you know what we need? We need an old school show so I'm badly. I'm so happy. All these other stations are trading on old school. And you've got old school brains on this station, but we're not doing no old, you know what I mean? Mm. So now I'm doing, yeah, I've really got next week, you'd like next week, this one, this one coming up. I've got a bit of common like water for chocolate. Jeez! Some, um, yeah, you know, mm. just playing. Yeah. Not, not, it's not just hits back to back. It's like Music. I'm playing some you, tunes you as well as some. Completely well as some, control Yeah, completely, like, completely, yeah, completely. Were you, were you speaking of common? Do you remember when he did that um, masterclass at One Extra? when MCs had to ring up and spit against I weren't. Other. I didn't hear that, you know. Did, oh, did you not come No, I didn't that, hear that it. The old, that was really? The was it good? That. It was amazing. He's a proper... I loved, I used to, that guy used to be my favourite MC. Yeah, he's... He used to be my favourite MC in the world mm. at one point. You know, and I don't... I think everyone's got a different favourite MC. I think an MC's sometimes a reflection of you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I found Common really polite... Well-mannered. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, in, in the masterclass, but, I remember when, the, when yeah. he, he went he one, says, yes, one... sir. He says, yes, yeah, sir. He's yeah. like got Southern manners. It's like yeah. he's not from Chicago. It's like from the deep south. It's true. He's really got manners. He's like he's, a blues man. He's, he's, but I love the guy. The guy's like, he's got, his voice has got timber. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, his talking voice is... Yeah, it's deep. It's he's got, he does that advert. You can hear his voice. The Microsoft one. Yeah, yeah, sick. He's doing and, a lot of films now as well. Yeah, he's I, doing I a lot of films. John Wick 2. I don't know if he's in John Wick 1 because I haven't not, seen no, him. Yeah, no. John Wick I, li I like him. And he I like to play an assassin, didn't he? He's yeah. in, he's in Have you seen him live? Have you seen him live? Lucky number 11, um, Smoking Aces. You ever seen him live? I seen him once live at the Roundhouse. Did he break dance and all that? He loves no, it. He brought out. He had. Um, he, he starts breakdowns. He loves the. He loves the culture. He loves. Yeah, the elements, yeah. He loves he? the elements. So he had yeah. two DJs, um, and one was specifically for scratching. Yeah, yeah. He. Um, 
Did he? I know there was definitely some element of dancing. Yeah, he, he starts, he starts popping and dancing and he's yes. like he's a kid. Like yeah. when he was a kid, he goes, yeah, he he's has to do it. On stage. He just does he's it. He's got the old school kind yeah. of showmanship it's about that it. that thing of you're on stage, entertain, yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, it's that, I like that about him. Can he's I just brilliant. ask, um, you see how you mentioned Common? Have you, did you ever meet like Jay Diller? or any of his producers. Do you know what? If I ever met Jay Dilla, let me tell you, if I ever met Jay Dilla, I didn't know I was meeting Jay Dilla. I swear that. And I think Jay Dilla was probably in the room with either Q-Tip or someone wow. like that. Yeah, because, yeah. Because Jay Dilla became more revered after he passed yeah, away yeah. than while he was alive. Yeah. Like, you, you, like, you see like... All I can say is I, everyone used to come in in an entourage... You know, I think I met him just the once. I don't think I interviewed him, though. Okay. I think I might have been in the same, you know. But again, it's Jay Dilla. He's going to be around forever. Yeah. Producing beats. He's like, you know, it's like meeting, oh, them boys who did TLC stuff from Atlanta. Slime Organised organized oh, right. noise. Or, or, you know, th these production teams were always, they weren't all puffies. Mm. You know, everyone, the producers were supposed to be in the dark. Mm. You're never supposed to meet them. That's how it was back in the day. Jay Diller was, you know, DJ Premier only got is um, Primo only got shout out because it was just two of them, yeah. Guru and, and him. him yeah. yeah. And Primo was on, you know, Gangsta were on our label, so yeah. I, had, I, I, I had the chance to obviously I was always hanging out with Guru and meet DJ. Yeah, he had an old studio, his studio where he done all his a lot of his productions. When I tell you the faders. Mm. Crackly, is this in New York. Yeah. yeah, I've been to that. Crackly, I, I don't know what it's called, but it's crackly as fuck, mm. and he loves it like that. And that's how he gets all the grit in his. Yeah, you know, primo. I, 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 I visited. I, I remember going to New York a, a couple of years ago, and and at the time, I'd just recently become friends with Primo through mm. Rizzle Kicks. So going to, um, oh, oh, he he invited us down to his studio yeah. in New York, Dirty and we're just sitting in there. He's got, you know, he's got the plaques. He's got it's Nas proper plaques. old, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Jay Z's yeah. plaques, yeah. Biggie's plaques, Gangstar plaques. Yeah, and we're just chilling there. Ninth Wonder just rolls up like it's oh. nothing. It was stupid. It was yeah. dumb. And we, we, like literally, this sounds like a lie, but on my life, right? I've got one witness. His name's Tom Fortner. He's my yeah. DJ. Yeah, we were sitting in Primo's studio, smoking weed, watching Al Green on Soul Train. No one, do you know what I mean? Like, that's, no, it doesn't that, get any better. That shit sounds amazing. It doesn't, get, no, it but doesn't get any better. That's what we were fucking doing. It doesn't get any better. It's incredible. I feel like yeah. I'm so dry, I've got no stories. No, like, no, no, no. I no. once queued up six hours to meet Busted. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you get me? That's the only like. You know what? We've names dropped a lot tonight. <laughs> but it's, it, yeah, no. but <laughs> yeah, we can, we can do a part two easily. Hey, we're going to do a part two, man. Easy. No, at least it's live. Live. Absolutely. We'd love to get you on the. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind if you want to do one absolute gems are being dropped well let's wrap it up with yeah. just one more thing please um we usually do track of the week yeah but fuck it like you know your <laughs> album for life thing is a massive thing in our lives as well so what like, you know just just now oh, the album for life TBC did podcast. you like that yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad you did because I, 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 I always name. thought it was a good thing to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's yeah. a good thing to do. Albums are don't listen to them. People don't make, no, people haven't said they didn't like it. I just used to wonder if people really took notice of it because no, there was no I, did, I didn't ask for feedback, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, you, no, I mean, man. Yeah. Uh, get in touch, double eight, triple one. Sorry, mm. sorry to cut you, Michael. It's, no, only, no, no, it's, it's only because my feeling was the album is dying. Absolutely. The album's dying and... 
And uh, do, do you not think good quality R&B is dying as oh, well? Oh, totally. I know that there is a resurgence. No, totally, no, but totally. But still so few artists yeah, no, that are producing I'm... great R&B. Yeah. And all the R&B nights are nostalgic R&B nights. It's not there is no contemporary... There is... I, I, I defy anyone right now to be able to name a great R&B group. Or to group dance, or to around. dance to it. No, New Jack Swing is all yeah, gone. Yeah, it's yeah. all bloggers R&B now. Yeah. It's shit that you yeah. can get the feels to at like four in the morning. You talk more about you know it I mean? than you dance to it. That's yeah. it. But right. it doesn't mean it's not being made you know Sid and all that kind of stuff yeah. but a lot of yeah. the people making this stuff don't even want to be called R&B you got yeah. to understand they yeah. Want to yeah. so yeah but great greatest hands down greatest R&B album of all time <laughs> which decade just no 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 you, no, you can't do that okay. that is yeah, the hardest right, yeah 90s let's go I 90s, have to go 90s the hardest. because that's my favorite uh, R&B all right, can we do let's this? go can, 90s can, all the way up to 2000s wow can we start all right let's let's get a 10 together off the top of my head okay D'Angelo. Right? Yeah. Which which album? Brown Sugar. Okay. Well, you could do... You could, we could have this argument. It could be the first, second. <laughs> it could be the first or the second, right? It's, some people like the second more, but the first have got more songs. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to go with the one with songs. Yeah. yeah. I, I've really got the answer. Yeah. Miseducation. All right. That's yeah. my favourite yeah. album. What yeah. you meant? Yeah. Miseducation for me... That's, just, that's it. That's is, it. Oh, no, it would be it. There's one song missing off the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, which would make it the greatest, greatest. She takes, can't take my eyes off of you off the album, and she puts the sweetest thing on the album. Sweetest thing you don't think the sweetest known. thing should have? Should have been on the album. It wasn't on the album. Oh, yeah. It's like can't a take my on. eyes off was a cover. Yeah. Andy Williams, I think, did the cut, is a cover. And the only reason that she did it on telly, and the record company loved it, and the people at home loved it so much watching it, that they forced her to put it on the album. The record company said, you've got to put this on the album. Mm. I wish you put Sweetest Thing on the album like that, because then it would be pure originals. Sick tune. Sweetest thing I've known. Sick tune. All right. We've got to have a Mary. We've got to have one Mary, have one Mary in there. Yeah. yeah? I'll go for the first one. Yeah. yeah. I'll go for, I love the phone, yeah. the phone yeah. messages as well, and, that, and, and the fact that everybody was um, young, new, you're puffy on there, you're, you know, everyone's yeah. new, Biggie, every, attitude, everyone's on there. Yeah, yeah loads of that. It's great. It's great. It's Steve. Steve. You could hear, you could hear something exciting yeah. was going Steve. on. Queen of Pop, you know what I mean? You could hear yeah. something yeah. exciting. Yeah. 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 That's what Queen I'm saying. It's legendary. You could go Joe to see, but I wouldn't say a total album. No. I wouldn't. I think there's moments on some of their albums. Oh man, this is great. This is a good run. I know for real. <laughs> I don't think Aaliyah did the ultimate album. No. I don't think she did the although, you know, I loved what her and Timberland did was mm. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. Four for me. Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But I, when I say great album, I mean like every track. Yeah, yeah. I mean every, I like every every track. Yeah. <sighs> Who else? Let me think. Jill Scott. I mean we could go Maxwell, Jill Scott, all of these people, Maxwell. but but yeah, but but um, D'Angelo covers all that to me. Yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. D'Angelo and Erica. Erica's first. Which one? Mm -hmm. Baduism. The first. Ooh, I need a rim shot. I know I haven't, I haven't got his one yet, though. That's the thing. He's just like, mm. all right, no, uh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm really, uh, really just, um, just taking this all in. Wait, all right, think. This okay, this is controversial. Yeah. This is controversial. <laughs> okay. This is controversial, but music chooses you. You don't choose music, right? What you like, you like. Absolutely. Justified, JT. Bam, mate. Bam, mate. Bam, mate. Bam, mate. Justified, JT. I'm going to take it from here. Justified, JT. Every tune on that album. Yeah, for real. Killer. Yeah. And 
I would say my most one of my most enjoyable interviews ever was with him when that album was released because we all knew. Well, a lot of people didn't know, but we knew that it was written for Michael Jackson yeah, yeah. at the time. I and but to, to tell him that, you know, he and I and I even, you know I didn't like Insync at all. I hated Insync. One song. Even tearing up my heart. Bye no, bye bye. I don't care. No, no, no. Go on, is my only song. No, but I, the one I played, the first one I played was obviously in a club. Was yeah. with um, Nelly. 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 Girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah, that's another one. That was the first one. Would you be that was the first one. The girls love that tune, dude. So anyway, it's a bad album. He smashed it. He smashed it. Like I love you. Even the video. You, you know oh, what? Do you know right, the best I, bit? Can I say Wait, the best bit. One, one minute, one minute. Right, cool, can cool. I say controversial, something controversial? I don't think that song needed Nelly. It did for me, man. Did it? Yeah. I don't think so I'll tell you the best bit. Ever since I saw your in face. In the club, man. Nothing in my life has been the same. Go on, girl. <laughs> you know my tune? Go on. Come on and go, go with me. <laughs> I'm eating, I'm eating, sorry. <laughs> take a ride, let's take a ride. <sighs> Look, I spent my, Tune. what, oh, I'm getting a It had a God real summery Neptune's vibe. Okay, all right, right, yeah. right, right. How about this? 8701 or Confessions? I ain't finished. Wait, 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 wait. 8701 or That was next, you're right, oh, cool, that was cool, next. Cool, cool, cool. Because you can't talk about JT without talking about Usher. Mm-hmm. Went to Atlanta. Sorry, name drop again. Do it. Just after JT released Justify. Went to Jermaine Dupree's studio. So, so deaf, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was an Usher thing, but Usher took me to Jermaine. So I said to, to Usher in an interview, Jermaine sitting there said, there's a new kid on the block. <laughs> Meaning Justin. Mm-hmm. It's the one time I did some windy up shit, right? <laughs> Usher went, he looked at me and went, mm-hmm. People are saying stuff. He said, I've got some play. <laughs> so, he runs in his Hummer. Them days they drove stupid Hummers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, He put this tune on. He turned it up so loud. And what is it with Americans? <laughs> turned it up so loud. I couldn't, it was distorted. Turn my shit up. He played Confessions to me. He just dropped it. He looked at me throughout the whole tune. But how'd you like me now, huh? Catch me outside. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? <laughs> Talk to me now, huh? What are you uh, kid you talking about? Every time about? I was in LA. I genuinely believe, in my heart and song, the reason Confessions was the last RB album to send 10 million copies in America was because of Justified. Just pushed it over the edge, just made Usher and Jermaine and Emlock just make that album mm. as big as possible. Because I think, and that's what everyone always needs. Rappers need mm. it, RB artists need it. Mm. You know, Ju- Justin came out. Everyone's favourite white boy. Everyone. They weren't thinking he was going to flip the script like that. Absolutely. I didn't think he was going to do that. I didn't. I, I heard Girlfriend and I liked it. I didn't think he was going to be that big, right? Yeah. I thought he'd be big, but mm-hmm. I didn't think he was going to nail it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he nailed it. <laughs> he, he nailed it. I, I killed that every track on that album. So I'm looking at the boy, the golden boy. Usher is the golden child. 8701. Unbelievable album. And un- like, literally unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's my tune. And that tune's the yeah, no, no, no. Sing with us, Trev. Come on. <laughs> From a different era, B. Gotta be smart about it. Seller. Trev don't sing, baby. Celebrations. Oh, dude. That is my tune. And the video. But he came with it. And in fact, Confessions is just a very spit and polished 
really spit and polished. Um, the thing about the, the album before, it was a bit rawer in feel, wasn't it? In production. Conf Confessions is so polished. It's yeah. so yeah. bit. Basically, I swear down, it was just, remember Mariah came out with um, the, the Emancipation yeah. of Mimi. Yeah, we belong it together. Was as polished. It yeah, was, it was so polished. That was all which, Jermaine Dupri as well, yeah, wasn't which, it? Which does, like, a lot, a, it a lot takes of a little Dupree. bit off that album that is so polished. The thing that takes the most off that album that would have made that album without doubt my number one. Lovers and Friends should have been on that album. Oh, Please tell your instead um, of on Little John, John and Little Luda. Lovers and Friends supposed to be on that album. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But um, I, I, I think if you, I think the one before I loved more. Eight seven oh one. Organically loved it. It got leaked. Yeah, yeah. It got leaked, so it was a bit messed up. How it they was. Did it, it was a bigger for me. The the PR, you know, the chili thing. Mm. Um, her being involved in it, it was amazing. Eight seven oh one is my number one. What album. about an R Kelly album? TP2.com, man. See, everyone's got a different one. That's the problem. Play. 20. <laughs> Four plays good, but. And I like when he went Chocolate Factory as well. I yeah. like that. Oh, as well. come on. I like when he went when Chocolate he, Factory. This is when he did Steppers. When he went Steppers. But, but no, he hasn't. He can't beat any of those albums. So there's got to be someone else. Who? I don't know. Are we, oh, are, we, are we talking all No, he never nailed it. He never nailed yeah, one. He, he never nailed one. Oh, Joe, yeah. nev Joe never nailed one. He didn't have one. two tunes. He had no, he had more than that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, this love. Um, Shorty. Shorty. Shorty got her eyes on me. Yeah. Say what, no, say what, just, say that, what. Say, that was his big That's one. That's the greatest. That was the crossover. That is the greatest club R&B record ever made. I'm going to say that now in contemporary terms. Me and my people be your own. Give me a better one than that. That tune there. Honestly, I've played that tune, I think. What about Tamir's album? No. Tamir Braxton? No. No, just Tamir. What? No, uh, oh, like, Tamia. Yeah. Tamia. No, 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 no. It's nice. It's nice. Life Jennings. Jennings had a couple of killer the tunes. The album, the, album's, the album come on. The album, the album can't test Actually, D'Angelo no, or, mm. or Music Soul Child. I, he, I think his tune, I think he had, a, he had a killer song on there and the album wasn't bad. And he's, he, was in, he was in prison, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Life Jennings. That's why it's called Life. Life, life. Who else? Dr. Dre, the chronic, yo. No, that's the part. That's it. Nah, 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 <laughs> there is no more. There is no more. We've, yeah. They're the ones. They're probably the ones, aren't they? Yeah. I think Lauren. Your favourite then? What's your, no, Faith never nailed it. Never nailed. I can no, tell no, you no. every single album. She never nailed it. Yeah. You're she right, never no, she, nailed yeah, it. She, she's not in the same yeah. echelons as Mary J. Blige. Ashanti. Ashanti never nailed it. First album. Never nailed it. Monica. Too much repetition. Yeah. Never nailed it. Missy Elliott never nailed Missy Elliott never nailed an album not nailed it from start to finish right. not nailed it yeah, yeah. she nearly she nailed single, it like, Missy Elliott Busta Rhymes Busta Rhymes never nailed an album not nailed Genesis it Genesis was cold nailed it extinction level event Extin yeah Ooh, I think that's the yeah, closest for me that he came and then he did too many tracks that's the problem so he should have done less than made, nailed Eminem. it Eminem Oh, first two Marshall albums. Mathers for me. Yeah. Marshall Mathers and, and, and for me, Slim Shady LP. Marshall. I know, I know every lyric start to finish on both albums. You, like you, a, a song comes on, I can't help. I can imagine it. him you know, in his room. Marshall like, Mathers. You would have been a Think about it. Yeah, only once. Only once. The very first album was the only time I ever met him, and then he, then he, then he became the possession of Zane Lowe. I interviewed him now, but I did a funny thing with him because I knew he was mad. I knew he was mad. He um. I got a doctor's uniform on yeah. and a periscope <laughs> and I laid him down 
and I, I did word association with him. Because I listened to his album and I said, you're mad. And so I, I, I went like, so, and I say a word and I say mum and he'd go dead. Wow. This is on MTV. He did this whole fucking bit monologue thing. It was brilliant. And that's the only time I interviewed him. I never interviewed him again, ever. Wow. I've never interviewed Dre. I don't think many people have. But you know what? I don't know if I want to. Yeah. I think, you know, Dre's one of them guys, don't meet your heroes now. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's like, I don't think he, I don't think Dre could truly live up to an interview with what his achievements are. If yeah. you get my drift, you, yeah. you put him on such a, you know, you're gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems really introverted. It's quite well. laid back. I think it would be quite a boring interview. I also think the Sugar episode and the Death Row stuff has made him more introvert. Yeah. Because there's a lot of secrets. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. a lot of secrets. You know, yeah. the fact he's making money off beats and that, and none of it's going to Sugar is a is a is an awakening. Mm. <laughs> if none of it's going to sugar, I don't know. But you ever come across sugar in your time? No thanks. All right. <laughs> and, on, and on that note, Perfect, yeah. <laughs> on that bombshell, <laughs> we'll. Um, I guess we'll see you for episode zero four zero. The the big four zero. Yeah, We're approaching the big four zero. We're gonna have a mid podcast crisis. Yeah. God I damn. Version, but... I might pull up on the motorbike. Yeah. If you um want to give us any feedback at all please don't hesitate to email us at TBC podcast. TBC pod, is it TBC podcast or just TBC? TBC podcast, TBC podcast at grimedaily.com. GRMD. GRMD. It is grimedaily.com. We are still in that sense, Grime Daily. Yeah. Flies. TBC podcast at grimedaily.com. And, and, and any issues that you've got, uh, as well literally anything and, and anything you'd like to see us doing any guests you might think um, that we could um, attract let us know who you want to hey, see mate uh, you're going to attract a whole heap of A-listers now I've been after on. this <laughs> mate, we've just had an M we've had an MBE on like, <laughs> do you know what I mean we are now kind of like I guess we can carry Cemented the royal in. warrant maybe now <laughs> we, yeah yeah and uh, yeah, follow us as well on the socials. I am on uh, across the board. I am at Michael Payne. That's M I K I double L P A N E. At Rebecca underscore Judd. At Ren R E N underscore G R M. Yeah. Thank and you, Uncle Trevor. DJ Trevor, Trevor Nelson. Well, at DJ Trevor Nelson, don't troll me. Don't troll him. Don't take troll it really. him. No, someone will now. You know yeah, that, right? Exactly. You know that. I heard that. your podcast, man. I heard your podcast, man. <laughs> shit, you talk and shit. I know, and I do know Teddy Riley's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. By the we way, love you, Trevor. Yeah, I bet you do. I ain't got no home to go to <laughs> now. I, He's locked out. I am locked out. The missus said she is not letting me back in if I come in late, oh, and I'm coming in well late. <laughs> yeah, it'd be one of those. She, I can't even ring her now. Wow. She expects because she wake up. She got to go work. But Damn. yeah, much appreciate for your time. Pleasure, man. I enjoyed it loads. I enjoyed it loads. Thank you, Thanks Trevor. So much. Thank you, mate. Man. Let's do it again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.